0: Everybody.
1: Morning, morning. Good
2: afternoon, Tony.
0: Well, afternoon for Tony.
2: (laughs) Anyways, James Wallington.
0: Jay, I'm so stoked for this. To be honest, like he has been wanting to come on our show for a while, and we've been wanting to have him on for a while. So I'm really, really, really excited to finally have James on here and. I did not know half of the shit that he has done in his life. So I'm really excited to talk about that too. Like he's done a bunch of other shows. He was on this one show. I've never even heard of it, but it's a show called capture. Hmm. And it says pretty much it's like 12 teams of two. And this is how it is described. Okay. I'm just reading the show description. 12 teams of two hunt each other as the hunt team or be hunted as the prey team. And they have to survive an elimination ceremony. Last team standing wins. And he competed with his sister, Rebecca, in 2013. Uh, They were on for five episodes and finished in eighth place. I was like, I've never even heard of this show before. We must talk about this. What is this? (laughs) What do they mean by hunt? (laughs) It sounds like
1: it almost sounds like an accelerated version of like capture the flag with a bit of man tracker thrown in.
0: Yeah, right. right? Right. Okay. yeah. I was like, this is kind of cool. So I'm pretty excited for that. He's got credits for America's Next Top Model. He's got, uh, you know, guest host credits for some show called Culture Q. He's also got photographer credits on that movie Friends with Benefits that has uh, Justin Timberlake and Mia Kunis in it. So that's the, super
1: superior, cool. the superior movie with the same plot that came out at the same time. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no strings, no strings attached was the other one with uh, Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher.
0: Ashton Kutcher. It's so weird, too, because I like I don't know. I love I love Justin Timberlake. I love Mia Kunes, but I also really like Ashton Kutcher and I like Natalie. I like Natalie Portman. I, like Natalie Portman. I, I wasn't a huge fan of her in that no strings attached one. But I, but I, I love I love me some Padme. I feel like mm. Sean
1: White was in Friends with Benefits, like the snowboarder.
2: I think. Oh, I think you're right. It, it was either that or one of those like really big ensemble cast movies, like uh, what is it, Love Actually, and
0: oh yeah, uh, where they had all those oh, big like, stars yeah. in
2: it,
1: mm-hmm. like Valentine's Day
2: or yeah, it, or yeah. it was either what you're saying or it was one of those bigger ensemble cast that he was in. But I know he had made a little jump to it.
0: Yeah, like there's so much to talk to. And it, it, there's so much to talk to James about. I didn't even put out a like fan question thing. And so I do apologize to all the like amazing race and James fans out there. I just there is so much to talk to him about. Yeah. I don't want to take your guys's questions and not be able to get to them because like we have like limited time, you know, when we're on with these people, most of these people don't want to sit on for like three, four hours. <laughs> so my bad. We do apologize, but we promise this is. More than likely not going to be the only time that we have James on. So we will definitely make sure we do fan questions next time we sit down with James. But for now, we just kind of wanted to focus on all the cool things he's done. The incredible shit that him and Will were able to pull off on Amazing Race. And just all the controversy, not necessarily surrounding their win, but surrounding how they played the game and approached the first like, three quarters of the game. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm super, super stoked to talk to this guy. He's had a really interesting life, and I'm just really excited to hear more about it.
1: I'm glad that the timing worked out.
0: Oh, here we go. Speaking of which. <laughs> Howdy. Hi. Uh, How are you? Good.
1: I'm good.
3: How are y'all? Oh,
0: good. doing good. Doing good. Good.
4: Glad to hear
0: it. Thanks for coming on. I know this has been like a long time coming.
4: <laughs> I know. I'm so excited to chat with y'all, and it's no problem whatsoever. I'm excited.
0: I know. We're so excited too. It was such a, it was so strange because we had, we had t- ex- um not accepted, but we had, you know, requested to do like exit interviews for Challenge USA. Which then put us in a position where we weren't allowed to interview anyone until the show was completely over, and it was just like
1: <laughs> exit interviews were
0: super cool, but we love our our unplugged interviews, and so we we learned a little lesson there. But um, thank you for coming on with us. Of
1: course, of course. Sorry, my dogs are obnoxious in the background. Oh my cats may show up um at some point <laughs> as well. Amazing.
2: Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> You'll hear ours, I am sure, at some point. Um dog's asleep, so we should be good. But James, my name's Ricky Hayes. Yeah. Uh, this is my wife Karina Hayes. And yeah. then we've got Tony um Lance. He's joining us from Nova Scotia. And he's our uh, another one of our co-hosts. we have a couple that weren't able to make it. We're a big team, but yeah <laughs> um like Karina said, thank you so much for hopping on. We really do appreciate it and uh
3: of course, yeah you know
2: think and once again, amazing season on the challenge. I wish it would have lasted longer I'm we so we watched it, and during the first three episodes, all we kept saying is like wow james knows this game like he's reading it like a veteran you know like like a book yeah like similar con- like the similar description we like kind of gave bananas lot for last night mm-hmm. which was he walks into the house and he reads it right away like you were in there and you saw how it laid out pretty quick from the edit we got mm-hmm. and uh you know we were really sad to see you go so early because yeah. we thought you could have made some really big moves going into the
0: game
4: Yeah, that was the goal. That was the plan. But, you know, life had other plans for me. And unfortunately, my time was cut way too short.
0: (laughs) Way, way
2: too short, for sure. Absolutely. Well, James, I don't know if you know much about us, but the way we usually do this is typically the time we see you on television is for weeks, maybe, you know, six to eight to 12 weeks, just depending on filming schedules. And it's compressed down to really an hour of probably total time for you if you're right. on a full season. Right. So we don't get the full dive on who you are as a person, just who you're portrayed as an edit on TV. And so we like to give, you know, the fans beyond the edit interviews. Yeah. So I would like to kind of start off with we saw some different things when we were doing our research. It said you, you were born in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Is that correct?
4: So I was actually born in St. Petersburg florida but i grew uh, up in grand rapids, grand I rapids okay. In.
0: yeah okay so imdb is correct mtv and cbs not correct because <laughs> no. <laughs> you imdb
4: raised, but not the born part
0: gotcha. gotcha okay that makes sense yeah they always it's always like that every time we look somebody up there's always like two some people have like three or four locate different locations listed and it's like
3: Okay.
2: So so before getting into reality and TV and all that, I, I think I remember seeing a tweet or something you said in an interview where you've always wanted to be on television. Like you knew that was something from a very young age that you wanted to do and you got into reality TV at a young age, too. (laughs)
4: Yeah, I mean, growing up, my nickname was Hollywood. I think I was just like a dramatic, very theatrical kid. I did musical theater. I did community theater. And I just, through all of that, found a love for reality television, oddly enough. Um, And I think because with reality television, obviously, almost every season of any show, there's always like that token gay or somebody from the gay community. I think growing up, still trying to figure out who I was. I felt like I wasn't alone. I felt like I had someone I could relate to who was on these shows. And I just instantly fell in love with reality TV. And I was like, I want to do this one day. I want to be on one of these shows. I want the adventure of it, but I also kind of want to be able to share my story. So yeah. that's how I kind of got sucked into reality television is because of that. And um, I never in a million years that I think it would turn into this and three shows later. And I, I'm wanting more. I want to keep doing it. <laughs> it's
0: like, sign me up for all the shows. <laughs> Literally.
4: And like, I don't go on to, cause I, I don't, you know, I feel like some people and not all, and if that's what they want, that's great. It's like a business opportunity for them. Yeah. They want to go on, yeah. they profit off of it. You can get a lot of Instagram followers and you can make money from that that was never my intention. That's not my goal. I love the adventure of it. And I just like to play the games. And so I don't care about the TV or not, even if it wasn't recorded, I would do it. Even if I wasn't paid, I would do it just because I don't oh, yeah. the thrill of it.
3: No,
2: absolutely.
4: I,
0: I've always said that like, I, cause I grew up, you know, a major challenge fan. I didn't really get into like survivor and amazing race and stuff like that until a little bit later in my life. But from like season one, episode one of the challenge I was watching And I was like, this is like the coolest thing ever, because and I didn't at that point, I was like 12, 13, 14. I didn't know they got paid to go on these things. And so I was like, that's so cool. You get to go on free vacation, like travel around the world and like see all these things and do all this fun stuff. Like that's the coolest thing ever. And that right there is a reward in itself, you know?
2: Well, we've talked about it like uh, I forget with which. Yes, we've had on we've had quite a few but uh, <laughs> someone said like they need to build a challenge theme park where you can play and do some of these like stunts and like different riggings that they have and it was like i would probably do that honestly that sounds really fun that was yeah. that was
1: jacob um challenge historian yeah we were talking about we were talking about the challenge stuff and then also like some of the this challenges from survivor right as yeah. well it would be amazing to just like play
3: yeah right, right. I
1: mean,
4: it's like, you know, at Universal Studios Orlando, they used to have, I don't even know if they have it anymore, but like the Fear Factor live show. Yeah. yeah. Do the challenge live and like yeah. you have a stage show of it and you can still, cause some, some of the challenges that take place in the Fear Factor live show, you would see on the challenge. So it's like, yeah. you could easily make it a live show at any theme park. I think that would be really cool. That
2: would be, ooh. Could you imagine doing like a trivia and then getting dropped like 15 feet into water? That would be awesome. (laughs) I would love that. I would (laughs) sign up for that right now. yeah,
0: I would totally (laughs) do that.
2: (laughs) Um, Obviously, wanting to be in entertainment growing up, obviously. The reason I know about this is because I took acting classes. I was really into it when I was young. And I kind of got the realization, especially living in where we're at, which is Reno, Nevada. There's not a lot of opportunity for like, (laughs) unless you move away when you're 18. But did you have any other goals or aspirations when you were going to school? Like thinking uh, maybe as a backup plan or something else that you wanted to do as well?
4: Yeah, I think growing up doing theater, I think a lot of people have that mindset of like, oh, I want to be an actor and I want to be, you know, on camera and all this other stuff. I just liked doing it because of the community that it brought me. And so when I moved to LA, I quickly learned that by doing it full time or like trying to pursue it full time for me, didn't really fulfill me because I I felt like I was lacking that community aspect that I got when I grew up doing theater. So I kind of stopped doing it. And when I moved to LA, I immediately started working and I, you know, I did background acting here and there just to make that money and have that extra income coming in. And then, Started working doing social media coordination. I actually dabbled in production from time to time. So I just realized that I like doing more of the behind the scenes than mm. I do the other stuff.
1: I kind of did the Canadian version of that. I <laughs> okay. so I'm from I'm from a small town of like eight thousand people. And okay. when I was eighteen, I moved to Vancouver rather than LA. Went to film school again. Like that sense of community and everything like that. I took acting, and while I was there, I sort of realized that. The community was great, but then you're going to be competing against your friends and that community for the same five parts. And eventually that's going to start creating wedges, whether you want it to or not. So I sort of I did like the background stuff. I worked as a production assistant for a while, worked like at a video store like you do when you go to film school and just kind of started to expand around that still acting when i could because right. i still enjoyed it but it was no longer what i wanted to do like as a profession like that that industry wasn't as viable an option because the community that oh. you're like that you're referring to it, it's not it it didn't feel as genuine in that moment when you're mm-hmm. looking at it from that side right mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah, Absolutely. yeah you're not wrong
1: i
4: think you hit that on the nose with what you were saying and i think one thing i love about reality television just from experience i've had from post-show experiences it has brought a bigger community like being able yeah. to go to all these different reality tv fundraising events for different charities and being able to make an impact that way like i've been very fortunate to have that and i'm i'm very grateful for those experiences post-show
2: absolutely right I mean, yeah it, it kind of it reminds you that even though it's it, it television right just like i work in a field like hvac like nobody cares really about your furnace or ac but it's like <laughs> that worthwhile work when you get to give back and you see the enjoyment on people's faces yeah. it's it's super rewarding i can understand yeah. that yeah absolutely um, it, it, i noticed um and we saw this on doing our research but you said you kind of work behind the scenes we saw that you were uh, was it a production assistant on um top america's top model is that correct america's yes. Next top model yeah yeah
4: So I was on a reality show called Capture in 2013. It was like a very Hunger Games-inspired show meets (laughs) Survivor. It It was crazy. (laughs) I did it with my sister. But after having been on front of the camera and actually had a taste of what it was like to be on a reality show, I was thinking, OK, well, now I want to know like what goes into the prep for it. Like, how do you actually find these people? Like, what do you look for? Mm. What's the formula, if you will? I feel like it's almost like if you're an actor, you take acting classes to learn to go in front of the camera. I feel like I kind of did it backwards. I got a taste <laughs> in reality TV. And then I was like, well, now I want to know, like, what's the formula and how do you get on these shows? So I got a call to be an assistant to the supervising talent producer at America's Next Top Model. And at first, I wasn't sure if I wanted to take the job or not. And I was like, you know what? Fine. It's an assistant job. Maybe I'll learn a lot just by being underneath someone's wing. And it turned out to be very much like a computer job, like updating the calendar, sending out emails, <laughs> you know, forwarding phone calls. But I was still kind of in that atmosphere where I got to see everyone kind of go about their their work. And so that was fun for me. But um I never in a million years thought that it would lead me to find my husband because Will was on America's Next Top Model. I okay. met him in passing once he got onto the show. He filmed. And then when he was done doing the show, he reached out to me and was like, hey. And I was like,
3: hi. And Aww. turns out
4: we both felt very similar, you know, in our feelings for each other. And the rest was history. So, like, I'm glad I took the job. I learned as much as I feel like I could have. But then I also got my husband out of it. So, yeah. That-
0: that's, That's so cool. I was reading that, and I was reading that he was on that season. And uh, if I remember correctly, he came. Yeah, he was runner up on that season. Yes, so, I mean, not
4: that I'm That's biased, so
0: cool. but he probably should have won. <laughs> he should have. he did He should have won. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, he should have won. I was gonna say, like, like how serendipitous is that? Like, you were like debating on, like, do I take this job, uh, yeah. and then. You know, the ultimate love comes from it, you know, meeting your husband. That is just so freaking cool. That's
4: awesome. I hated it because, you know, I feel like. A lot of advice that I got when I was single is it'll come when you least expect it. And, it yeah. yeah. and like, I was not expecting it. I mean, I almost didn't take the job, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. Oh th-
0: they always say like, oh, you know, you'll, you'll find love when you stop looking for it. It's like, exactly. what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> I know. And I
4: always roll my eyes and I'm like, oh, shit. like now I have that story where I can tell people that advice too. And it's so
0: annoying. <laughs> I- <laughs> Same. Yep, that's
4: yeah. That's how
0: we met too. I was like, not even looking for anything. And here I, comes this guy. <laughs> I, I,
2: really long story short, I walked into my old job to order envelopes and met her. And then the rest oh, is yeah. history. You
4: know, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. My wife and I
1: hated each other when we worked together. Oh, <laughs> we, worked we worked at a gym and we, cro- or we worked the front desk and our shifts crossed. Mm-hmm. And she was a substitute teacher. So she was coming from a different distance every day. Mm. So quite regularly she'd be like 5 10 15 minutes late and just like all i want to do is go home and this person (laughs) is just like doesn't care about her job just like always late we went to a staff party one night and the two people we were like talking on opposite ends of the deck and the two people we were talking to left and then we were the (laughs) only ones up there and i was like well i guess i have to talk to you and haven't stopped talking since
0: Oh, that's sweet. All this time together. I've never heard that story, Tony. (laughs) I love it. Really quick, though, I want to jump back to this, um, this show capture uh, that you were on. So (laughs) I want to know more about the show, because first, I've never heard of it. And so when I was reading the show description Mm -hmm. It's a little bit wild and I'm going to for anyone listening, I'm going to read the description of the show and then maybe you can explain to us how it works. But it says 12 teams of two hunt each other as the hunt team or be hunted as the prey. You must survive elimination ceremony. Last team standing wins. And I'm like, what do you mean by hunt each other? Like, what are we doing here?
4: (laughs) Yes. Okay. so uh, to kind of give visual of what an episode looks like. It starts off with all 12 teams. We're all on our own little pod, just like you would see in the Hunger Games. You know how all the tributes are standing on their own little pod. And then the host, the host was Luke Tipple. He's amazing. He does a lot of stuff with like Shark Week. So he's Mm -hmm. a pretty adventurous background. He would count us down three, two, one, and then release us. And we would run off our pods into this big open field. And then everyone kind of dip into different pockets of the forest. And this, like arena, if you will, was massive. Like it was huge, and we would be released, and then every episode had one hunt team. and the hunt team was chosen at random,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and, um, <laughs> and quotation marks for random, or sometimes people got to say, "I volunteer as true mm. if you yeah. will. <laughs> have the hunt team. So the prey would go out, the other teams, the hunting team would be released usually 30 minutes later.
3: Mm, okay. so their
4: objective is to go explore the forest and try to hunt down the teams. And we were all like the uniforms we wore, we would put on these vests that were kitted out with like a GPS tracking system. So you, it was almost like if you had an iPhone on your wrist. Oh, wow. You could see the whole playing field. You could see where you were on the map at all times. And then um, as the hunt progressed, usually it would be like four hours. But I think the longest might have been six zones would shut down just like in the hunger games and you it would make the map smaller. So it made it harder to hide. What? Um, if you stood in one spot for too long, I think it was like two minutes, your vest that you wore would sound an alarm. So if you were near the hunt, yeah. they would be able to track you down and you would have to start moving again in order to turn the alarm off. So it was a glorified game of hide and seek, but you're not given food you're given very minimal water so it felt like survivor meets hunger games meets amazing race if you will just because it's 12 teams of two and it was crazy like I, I still can't believe i did it i did it with my sister so like it was a very special experience to do together i do think the show might have been way ahead of its time yeah. i think if the show aired now i think yeah. it would be a huge hit with how far we've come as just like a reality TV fandom back then I just it was too soon I think for that
2: show oh. I'm not gonna lie your description on that just completely sold me I was I like, want to yes. watch it like, right like, now. Yeah. I,
4: I, go to it. I have links I will forward you my Google Drive with the oh. episodes Oh,
0: that'd be awesome please, please do
4: okay, Fun show I'm really glad that I got to do it, it unfortunately was a one hit wonder and I know that they had plans to do a season two and I heard rumors that they were gonna end up going to Fiji for it which like it had I think it had everything you would want in a reality show. Yeah. Because like if you were captured, ideally the hunt team wants to catch as many prey as they can. And then out of who they caught, they got to decide who was up for elimination. So they only caught two teams over the course of two days, because it would be broken up into two days then those two teams automatically are up for elimination. Where if they caught multiple teams, then they got to choose through whatever strategy they wanted. But they don't show that in the episode. Like in the premiere episode, the hunting was so good. They caught four teams and there was a lot of strategy that went into why they picked two went up for elimination. But they didn't end up showing that. So it's it's a lot more intricate than I think what the edit showed.
2: Wow. Yeah. That's cool, though if they did that now, like I would watch it right yes. away. That sounds like a r- yeah. really, really top notch show. Honestly, it,
4: it was cool. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm, I would love to see it make some sort of comeback. I mean, the mole just made a comeback. So I it, think right? it would be fun. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, cr- I lost 11
0: pounds. Like it was just nuts. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit.
2: That's wild. Oh my gosh. That's, i would do that yeah like i the, need
0: this show now because oh, like and
4: then the best part you know how like you've seen the first hunger games right
0: yeah yeah i love hunger you know, games. Like, There's the
4: cornucopia where like from time to time like they would show up and there would be like supplies there or weapons there so they had supply stations on the map that would open up at certain times and inside the supply station would be food or like temptations that would make you want to go there But, you know, by going, the hunt team knows which supply station is open. So they could literally just stake out and wait for a team to run in. But as long as you're in the circle, you have safety so you can hang out there. But the moment the station closes or you leave the circle, then it's fair game. You can be hunted again. So, yeah, Uh, it was crazy. That is so
0: cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, they need to bring this show back. Like, because at first I was like, I was reading, I was like, this is weird. What do they mean? You know? And now, like, yeah, no, they need to bring this back. I would so watch that. <laughs>
2: oh my god, that is that is
0: awesome.
2: <laughs> like, I'm so like blown away now I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, fuck, I <laughs> We're gonna be
0: watch. stuck on that the um, whole rest of the day. Although
1: quiet, Jenga has made her appearance. So oh, hi Jenga.
0: We'll see. <laughs> Sweet kitty, oh, little <laughs> She was
1: all about
2: challenge USA whenever we would get a chance to talk about Leo or Enzo. Of
0: course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
4: Meow meow.
2: Yeah, extraordinary leo <laughs> <laughs> that's so great but one thing i did want to ask and, and karina was telling me this and I, it just kind of blew me away because sometimes you you get a chance to talk to someone like yourself and it's more than just like hey i was on the real world and then i went into the challenge and i've done this for 10 15 years yours was you got the production assistant on america's next top model but you also were a photographer's assistant for the Friends with Benefits movie. Is that correct?
4: Oh, my God. So, yeah, when I first moved out to L.A., I housed that for a director. Yeah, I met him through a mutual friend. And um, I I think he knew that I was, like, coming to L.A. to kind of experience different parts of the industry. And he was like, um, well, do you want to be in the movie? And I was like, Sure. So I went to set for Friends with Benefits. It stars uh, Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake and Woody Harrelson,
3: mm-hmm. and um, it was
4: I I thought I was just being like a background extra, like in like a bigger scene. But this one scene was a very intimate scene. And like, have you seen the movie?
3: Yes. Yeah
4: they do like a like a gq photo shoot with woody harrelson and he's yep. like directing it and like justin shows up and he's like what's going on like all the models are like naked holding different like athletic items and yeah sports gear and i was like oh i'm like literally just like i'm walking around with the camera pretending i'm taking pictures and like the photographer's telling me what to do i mean i have no lines but you you would have to know that i'm in it to like spot me but it was very interesting experience. I had a great time. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go watch that that's movie awesome. now. <laughs>
2: oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah.
0: That is really I, I've, awesome.
2: I've personally never seen it, but now that I know you're in it, I'm going oh, to have to watch movie. it just so I can have the Leo moment where I'm like yeah. pointing at the television.
4: Like, I oh, I know, guy. I know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it was that. And then there's another scene. I think they're on an airplane, and I don't remember where they're going. But that filmed the same day so they just pulled me over to do that scene as well and it, it's first class and like i think justin's like leaning up against um the airplane like window or whatever and i'm sitting behind him but i'm pretending to be sleeping so i have my head up all you see is just my hood and my head but Mm. i I know it's me (laughs)
0: exactly that's cool so did you like get to like talk and mingle with the cast at all through that or were you guys kind of separated
4: woody harrelson's amazing like he was so so funny and like i think he just was like really involved with everyone who was on set which was really cool justin is so professional like i just remember justin being very much like In his script, like trying to get the job done, yada, yada, yada. So, like, it wasn't much interaction with him, but Woody, it's like he was just so social. Neela is amazing. And there was one point, and I to this day, like, wish that I would have done it, but she was driving in a golf cart. I think she might have known that I was the director's like person he brought to set or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she asked if I wanted to go, like, get ice cream on the back lot with these two kids that were on set too. But I was so nervous because I didn't want to miss that, that airplane scene because I was like on deck to go and I just didn't. But I'm like, I should have just gone. Oh, and, like, that yeah. would have been like a story. Right? Oh Having God. ice
0: cream uh-huh. with Mila Kunis? Like, yeah. <laughs> that would have been so
3: pretty.
2: Oh my gosh. Like, that's nuts. That's just so crazy. That's
0: so cool. I love that. I love, I like hearing like when, when people get to meet like celebrities and stuff because you just never really know like how you know, celebrities are going to be in real life. You only see them like in these, these roles in movies and stuff. And I I love hearing when like celebrities are cool like that, like Woody Harrelson, you know, that's awesome. Oh yeah.
4: Woody was amazing. I really,
2: I I think it goes to once again, kind of like the reason we do this, even with reality TV, because you don't get the full breadth of the person that you're seeing on television. And that's especially the, the, the truth with movie actors and television actors, you only see the role they're playing. Like, because when someone says Mila Kunis, like, yeah, I think of that 70s show and the movies she's been in. But like my first thought is from punk where she was like speaking Russian (laughs) to that woman uh, in the streets of L.A., you know, And, and of course, Justin Timberlake, where they pretend that. The IRS was taking all his oh, stuff. Oh, it was but, so sad.
4: But like, <laughs> oh <my laughs> way back. I remember
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh god. So That's I'm like an old reality school TV. reality TV. Like I was <laughs> telling Karina, we were watching. It. We were watching some, and they're premiering the Surreal Life. I was like, no, <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: no, I'm, I'm going to watch that. But anyway, so
0: good, so good.
1: <laughs> we'll see. Like, and it goes back far enough that. B.J. Novak and Dax Shepard were so unknown that they were the people that they used on punk because nobody knew who they were right. so they were able to just come in and nobody was any wiser for it.
2: Well, yeah, that was his start really where he kind of yeah. took off was Dax. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Crazy. sorry about that. <laughs> we, we go on these tangents sometimes like once you start talking about the Hunger Games, I was like, I wonder if he's into sci-fi and fantasy as well, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i i'm actually curious so i was reading um you know that obviously you were a very early amazing race fan watched it like season one episode one when you were like 12 or 13 years old right. was that the first like reality show that you really got into and and became a huge fan of
4: truth be told it was survivor
0: um, Oh, okay
4: survivor was the first show and i, I will never forget like the night it aired. The first I never watched the first season. I didn't know that that was a show yet. So the first time I watched it was the Australian Outback. And it premiered after the Super Bowl.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. I remember but that I remember,
4: seeing, I remember seeing like previews for it and it was so intrigued. I was like, this show looks incredible. But I, I mean you know being like 12, 13 or whatever, like school night, my parents were like, you need to go to bed. I snuck downstairs and watched it because I was so into it. And I, from that point forward, was hooked. And then it became a family thing. So every week we watched it together. And then Amazing Race also was airing at the same time. So we got sucked into the Amazing Race. And so Survivor was like my first exposure to like the CBS competitive shows. Mm-hmm. Then Amazing Race kind of became all in one, because they were on at the same time. Yeah, right. Um, So yeah, I grew up watching both shows with my family.
0: That's That's awesome. awesome. I love that. I love I love when it's like a family thing too, you know, because like, especially well, at least for me, when I was when I was younger, my mom did not like me watching the challenge. She didn't like me watching any like reality TV. There was just like such a like a negative stigma around it. And so like hearing like people who grew up doing it as a family thing, I'm like, see, that's what I wanted.
4: <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a family affair for us. We would watch it every week.
3: I love and I that. Think
4: it, I think it's and that kind of ended up going into, I just had to Google the dates because I was so curious, but then I started watching real world. Oh my gosh, which season. Sorry, let me do a little Google here.
0: You're good. But I ended
4: up getting turned on to the um, MTV shows. Because I knew what reality television was. Ah, right. The first show I ever watched reality-wise might have been Real World New Orleans.
0: Ooh, that was a good one. That was because a really
4: good one. That aired before Survivor Australia, not that.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. Ro- Real World was came. Fr- I think that was like the first reality yes. show.
4: That was like the OG show. Yeah. And then I feel like. Yeah, unless I watched a rerun of New Orleans, because I feel like they used to play reruns of real world all the time on MTV. But it's either New Orleans or Chicago. But those are like, that was my exposure to the real world MTV side of reality television.
0: Yeah, yeah. And they did. They used to they used to rerun, you know, real world seasons and road world seasons. And even like once they started the challenge, it was on all the time. Yeah. And now all they play is ridiculousness. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh. I'm done. And
1: deliciousness or whatever the oh.
0: other
1: ishnesses are. There's a bunch <laughs> of
0: ishnesses <laughs> now.
2: <laughs> I, I'm gonna jump back a little bit because I know you were talking about like the growing up and having that as like a family thing. And and then you were talking about watching some of the reality TV and and seeing the representation from other LGBTQ mm-hmm. people yeah. that are in that and And I, I agree, it was so important because, like I said, we grew up in a small town, like Reno's a little bit bigger now, but when we were kids, it was like under a hundred thousand people, not a ton of diversity that happens, and it was a lot of our exposure to the different parts of the world that we weren't exposed to as kids here, and kind of I think it yeah it it started a conversation that needed to be had. Um, at a young age for us and kind of led to some of the more tolerant things that we're seeing now as our generation comes to age,
0: right? Absolutely. You know?
2: and, and I think it, it does play a very pivotal role. And that's why I think what I believe CBS was the one that did it with like Wendell and them going and having that conversation where they start doing the, the all inclusivity and bringing yeah. in so many people. I, I think it's a great thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to have somebody you can relate to in that situation. Yeah, the, the representation is so important.
4: Yeah, reality TV has come a long way. It has. Oh, yeah, it definitely
3: has.
0: (laughs) So earlier when I was reading about, um, you know, everything kind of leading up to Amazing Race was that um, you had actually applied to Amazing Race numerous times before you were um, brought on. How many times did you apply to Amazing Race and what was the process like?
4: Yeah, so I... uh, I think I started applying for Survivor first because I think they lowered their age limit to 18 around like Survivor token chain season. Mm.
3: Um,
4: So I applied, I actually got a call to do not call to do it, but a call to be interviewed for, I think it was Survivor Samoa. And then Mm. I I kind of got like a taste of it and I was like, Oh, I need to keep applying for these shows. So then I think, I can't remember if the age limit dropped for race yet at the time or when I turned 21, I started to apply for the amazing race. But I first started to do it with my mom. So my mom and I applied four times. We actually, uh, my dad and I applied once, my sister and I applied once. And then I applied with a roommate at one point.
3: Wow. And, And
4: many, many times. Yeah. Um, the furthest I had ever gone was with my mom and we were supposed to be flown to finals. they lo- honestly, my mom was the star of our team. Like <laughs> was
3: incredible. She a really
4: good story. And they kept saying like, your mom's amazing. But I think this was around the time where the race was actually getting a lot more physically like demanding, and I think they were worried about my mom's physicality because she had like a major surgery a few years prior. So they were like,
3: mm. "It might not work
4: out for this season." So we were supposed to be going to finals, and then we got dropped literally the week before. Uh, and really, really unfortunate. So after that, yeah. I was like, "Oh, maybe this isn't meant for me." You know, like those moments of just self doubt. Yeah, and then I start dating well. And he's a huge reality TV fan, too. And um, we were like, let's, well, I think I was a little bit more like, let's apply for Amazing Race together. And he's like, fine, sure. Like, let's do it. So we applied twice. Nothing ever happened. And then on Facebook, we saw a post that was specifically looking for gay couples. Mm -hmm. for an adventure show and i was like oh this is totally for amazing race i mean that they probably can't say like this is what the show is yeah i was like this gotta be amazing race they're casting right now so i like dm'd our tape to the the casting person and then she took it to lynn spillman and sure enough it was for amazing race and then like a week later they were like can you come to finals it's a fast-moving process this is like tail end of casting and we're like oh my god yes yeah. So <laughs> Bill and I went to finals for at the time it was season 31. And this was before it was reality clash before that theme was even like an idea. And I think our finals, they just didn't find the right amount of teams to leave four weeks later.
3: Mm. Um,
4: Cause there's only four teams from our finals to actually ended up being on our season. Yeah. So they decided to make 31 a theme. We got the phone call and they were like, "Good news is that they love you. You're still on the list. Unfortunately, we're going to postpone it to the fall season. Um, So we didn't hear for like three or four months. Then we got the phone call. Are you still interested? I'm like, we will leave tomorrow. (laughs) Three months ago, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yes. So they sent us the updated paperwork, filled it out. And then we got the phone call two weeks later saying, can you leave in four weeks? And we're like, hell yeah. So...
3: That's awesome. It was a
4: long journey to get there, but the dream came true and that's all that matters. <laughs>
2: so, so what was, what was your like first reaction when they're like, can you leave in four weeks? Like, was it just like a feeling of overwhelm? Like, cause you, you've gone through this process so yes. much.
4: I, uh, yeah, it was a sense of relief. Like capture was fun, but like that wasn't yeah. the dream, right? Like the capture yeah. show actually just kind of fell into my lap and my sister and I applied. It wasn't like I it out by any means. So I felt like my dream was over because there's like this weird, I don't know, like with reality TV, it's like usually when you're on a show, it's that's it. Like you're done you're off, you're on a show. You can't ever be on a show again. Yeah. Right. Like, back then that's what it was like. Mm-hmm. So I was worried that the dream would never happen again. So when I finally got the call to do Amazing Race, yeah, it was like this sense of relief because I thought that I burned any opportunity to do what I always wanted to do. So it was just, I will never forget that day. I was like at work. My boss at the time was a winner of Amazing Race. So she was there when I got the call. And I'm like bawling. And she's like, Oh my, I think she probably thought someone from my family died because I was just uh-huh. in and I'm like trying to like get the words out, like that oh, was the right thing. Like they called me, and she's like, "What are you saying?" And I'm like, "The Amazing Race called, like I'm gonna be on the show." And she was freaking out, and we were like, "Oh my god!" And like I have four weeks to start planning. And then Will picked me up from work that day, and I just bawled in his arms in his car, in our car, and it was just out will at that day because it was just a sigh of relief, like it's actually happening.
2: Oh my god, that's <sighs> so that's so awesome! I love and that. It's. Because I know you're a fan of like the challenge and I know you're sure. a fan of Survivor, but it's it, you're an amazing race fan at yeah. the end yes. of the day. And I, and I see how prideful you are about your place in amazing race, but just how prideful and proud of the show itself you are. Yeah. Yes. Um. And so it, to hear that you've got to live this and get that call. And uh. especially after the roller coaster feeling like that opportunity wasn't going to come. Yeah, it's just I it's beautiful. I I was
4: so fearful that it would never happen. That was always called well, you were on the show. So it's not gonna happen. And then I was like, here I am applying with my at the time boyfriend who was on America's next top model. I'm like, it's such a crapshoot. shoot. But when we went through the casting process, they obviously knew we were on shows because you have to be honest in your background check. If yeah. you're not, they're gonna think, what are you hiding? So I was very honest. I'm very paranoid and a rule follower in that aspect. So they always knew up front, but anytime we talked in casting, it had nothing to do about our previous show experience. It was, who are you and where are you at now? And why do you want to do this show together? And I think they really loved our relationship dynamic. And that was a selling point. It had nothing to do with, we were on other shows six, six, seven, six years prior, Um, and everyone, even after the fact, I was like, "Well, why didn't you ever talk about America's Next Top Model? Like, why was that never a thing?" I'm like, like, "That wasn't our story. Like, our story yeah. was when we were dating and we were ready for marriage, and this was an experience to have together to set us up for that."
2: Right. Yeah. And 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 uh, I'm sorry. I, I no, know you're okay. about to say something, but the fact that because I read about that quote that you talked about, as far as you're dating someone you want to know if it's, you know, ready for <laughs> Go the
4: travel long term, travel. And if you still love them, marry them at the airport. Yeah. You may not have gotten married at the airport, but we got engaged on the amazing race. And I feel like that was pretty close.
2: <laughs> that is, I know. she told me that because full full transparency, I wasn't able to, to get through the season, but when she told me that, I was like, "Oh my god, that is like the most beautiful thing!" Like, Cause he had that read quote. he had
0: read the quote, and then I was like, "Well, you're never gonna guess what happened." And he was like, "What?" I was like, "Will proposed on the finish line," and he was like, "No way!" I was like, "Yeah, yeah. dude, that's so
2: awesome! <laughs> oh my thing god. Ever. You know, yeah. and, oh. and then you know, like you start thinking about your the proposal I gave to her. I was like, "Fuck, we should have traveled, and I should have done something <laughs> like that."
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's just, it's like it's it's such a beautiful story i mean just the whole arc of it from you know being a fan having that as family night going through the ups and downs getting so close with your mom and then kind of thinking it's just not going to happen and then applying again with you and your well not husband at the time but boyfriend yeah. at the time mm-hmm. and to get that call and then to live that dream and then not only live that dream but you got to travel to some beautiful countries and you end up winning the season i mean it doesn't get much fucking better than that. I yeah. mean, I excuse my <laughs> language, but it just doesn't. You it's, know what I
5: mean? You
4: know, like, it's still, I mean, honestly, it doesn't feel real a lot of the times. And like yesterday I was walking, we were walking our dogs and I like looked at Will and I just started laughing. He's like, what? And I go, remember that time we won Amazing race? Like, it still doesn't feel real. And he's like, yeah, I remember. I'm like, but does it, it doesn't feel real. Like we won the fucking Amazing Race. Like this yeah. is crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the thing too. It's like, yeah, you guys won the Amazing Race, but on top of that, like, you guys set records on the amazing race. You guys played the game different than anybody ever has in the game, which, you know, obviously caused a little bit of controversy a lot about of crazy how system came with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, a, and, win. and but you won. You yeah. won, you know? And I don't I don't know. I mean, I get where everybody's coming from. Um, for anybody who hasn't seen your season of the amazing race. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how that, uh, what was it called? Um, the, the mind the five mind Alliance, five. right?
4: Uh, yeah. So, um, the mind five, so <laughs> uh, I think going into the race, you know, we had that four week period where Will and I trained really, really hard. We ran almost every day. We ran with backpacks. We started to add weight to the backpacks. so We
3: knew what mm. it was like to
4: run with them. We um rewatched a ton of seasons. We learned six different languages, but just the key phrases you hear on the Amazing Race. So we really yeah. wanted to be prepared. But a lot of that homework was rewatching seasons and studying right. the winning team strategies or studying other team strategies. And like alliances have been around on the show since the very beginning. Yeah, like, yeah. the first season of the race aired when survivor was at it's like starting to peak right like and survivor Mm -hmm. was known for just the social game and the alliances and so i think people who were on the race very early on knew that social dynamics on any reality show is very important to Mm -hmm. your
3: success and
4: so even if the alliances on the earlier seasons of the race weren't long-term or if the word alliance was never used teams helping each other succeed has been a common theme throughout the entire series. Yeah. And when we watched season 21 with, that was Natalie and Nadia, the twenties first Mm -hmm. season together, they were on it with the Chippendales, James and James, and then um, Trey and Lexi. And those three teams just had a really strong relationship with the race. And they were always kind of in the, the same placements throughout the the race, and so I think they had a really great bond. And they ended up making top four. And then the Beekman boys were like the odd team out, and because Natalie and Nadia had issues with stick shift, the Beekman boys snuck into the final three, which was totally unexpected. But when right. we saw these three teams kind of come together, Will and I were like, "That's brilliant!" Because at the yeah. end of the day, there's only three spots in the finale. And if you can find two other teams who have a like-minded approach to the race, who are going to be as strong as you in terms of being a strong racer, why not work together to maintain some kind of lead or also try to guarantee your spot in the final three? Because at the end of the day, you only race for the million in that final leg. Every other leg doesn't really matter. You just want to be in the top three. So going into our season, even in our pre-interviews, like when we're before we even got to the starting line, they asked us, like, what's your approach to the race? We brought up examples of the show and like these teams worked together previously and it was so successful, or Mm. they were so close to being top three. Now we want to make that happen and make it more of a long-term strategy. So everyone always knew we were very transparent with producers, like this strategy is gonna be.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
4: Going into the race, we wanted to wait a little bit. In terms of like figuring out what teams we wanted to work with. We wanted of to be performed. So the first leg, we got separated onto two different flights going to the island of Tobago. And we were on the first flight. We land. We do our thing. And then the second flight creeps up. They're doing their thing. And now everyone's kind of together. Well, it turns out it's a keep on racing lag. And while we're in our downtime, you know, waiting to go to Bogota, we had heard a strategy from another team on the second flight that said, let's work together because if we at the bottom can help each other out, race someone from the first flight, we can guarantee that none of us will be eliminated. Yeah. So When we heard that, Perception is reality. So we thought that that's actually what happened because someone from the first flight got eliminated in the first leg. So we were like, oh my God, they were successful at getting together. <laughs> Again, we don't see what all these racers are doing. We just thought that this was actually what happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So going into Bogota, we get to the salt mine. It's a board you sign up for for a first departure, second departure. So as we're leaving, you hear in the episode, you don't see any of this in the first episode. You just see it in the second episode where Will and I say to the first group, let's all help each other. Yeah. Because we thought that's what the people in the back were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how the mind five became the mind five. Now the issue that I have is the mind five had zero impact on teams being eliminated, regardless of what viewers thought. The mind five had Little to no impact on the outcome of the race. And I think right. that's what viewers are so hell bent on was, oh, this mind five, this mob alliance. No <laughs> one watch, like, I don't enjoy watching it on Survivor of Big Brother when a mob alliance takes over. Right. I get that criticism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The viewers aren't realizing there's so much context left out of the race where if you really critically think about what happened, there's so many moving parts on every leg of the race that aids in someone's elimination.
3: Yeah. so
4: yeah. people I think wanted to blame the alliance but in reality the alliance had no impact on the race sorry right. that was a long way to the no <laughs> no that's the evolution no, it makes total why sense. the mine five became the mine five is because very early on we thought other teams were trying to play the same game Will and I wanted to and that was like let's work with teams so Will and I had to jump very quickly at like let's pull in our people and that was originally Madison and Riley and then Hong and Chi mm-hmm. but the show showed the mind five throughout. And I think that's only because we made the top five. But yeah. for our race, the mind five was not a serious thing that the show showed. It was always us, Kang and Chi and the Beards. And so I wish they would have shown that alliance because we ended up making the top three
3: together. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah. yeah well, and I was going to say, I, wa- I remember watching Amazing Race when I was younger, probably early 2000s. And it wasn't like an official alliance, but there was always two or three teams Mm -hmm. that always clicked up and tried to help each other out to get further. And typically, if I remember correctly, and I haven't watched Amazing Race a lot lately, but it always seemed to boil down to like one of the challenges. uh, Somebody would make a mistake and that's what caused the elimination or they would make a wrong turn or get lost. Mm -hmm. And that's what ends up causing the elimination. It's not like challenge where you can go, Yep, no, we're we're getting you out right now because all they need to do is get a taxi driver that drives five miles an hour faster than you and they're getting there faster, you exactly. know? Exactly. Was-
4: Another thing too is like a lot of viewers were like, well, why would you want to work with strong teams? Like, were you ever afraid that like you would lose? Because you're? I'm like, the word strong in the race to me is very relative because even mm-hmm. someone who's perceived as weak can totally win the race because the race, again, so many moving parts that could cause a team to be eliminated. So it wasn't like we were trying to work with strong teams per se. It's just we were always with those same teams. You're not gonna wait at a task for a team from behind to come up where you're gonna keep the weaker teams in the race. Like that's not how it
3: works. Yeah. So
4: and yeah, it was just very interesting. And I I think I get it because how it was edited, it does look very mob of mentality. But if you ask anyone from our season, that's the exact opposite, I think, of how it really came out.
1: And you also like also just be just in the nature of the amazing race because you have usually by like episode two or three the top three kind of stays the top three and moves around so because of the edit and you're seeing more of those top three teams your brain almost like implies an alliance Mm -hmm. because those are the people that are at the top and it's just the other teams kind of cycle around the bottom and i really noticed it on um like, Penn and Kim season with um, mm-hmm. with Kayla and then, like, Dust, Dusty and Ryan, like, yeah, yeah. they looked like a really tight six, but they were also just alternating first, second, and third yeah. for mm-hmm. the bulk of the game. And
4: they never used the word alliance, so it wasn't no. criticized by viewers, but, like, they definitely yeah. had a strong relationship. Ask any of them if totally. they did. Um, I, And I think, you know, I, I, I understand viewer criticism. I just wish that they wouldn't, like, blame teams for, like, yeah. just like, not being entertaining, because, like, we just our job is to race like that's all we are expected to do and hopefully win like that's the goal so we did what we were supposed to do
1: yeah (laughs) you can't blame the player for how they played the game that they were given and it's like when you get survivor like you've got some seasons that the winner is just like vilified and it's because the the viewers didn't like the twists of the game Yeah. yeah not necessarily like the person who won Or their favorite person that was edited to be your favorite person didn't Mm -hmm. end up winning. That's on the editors. That's not on the players.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and I was going to say, like, I've noticed, especially like I see it obviously a lot in the challenge fan base, because that's where I spend most of my time. But I'm sure it's across the board for (laughs) every reality show. But it seems like when, you know, fans like pick their they're like, oh, that one, that's the team that's going to win. That's my favorite. I'm rooting for them and then they don't win, it's like grasping for straws at anything <laughs> to blame why their favorite didn't win, and it feels like the Mind 5 was that reason that fans could just easily blame it on that. Yeah, when, like you said, I, it, it, I
4: always root for the underdog. I yeah. root for the perceived underdog. It's more fun, and especially if they shock you, it's like, ah, oh, I'm so happy for them. But yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I get it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh,
2: I, I wanted to ask this, because The part that appeals to me the most in Amazing Race is the travel itself, Uh, right, is going to these countries that otherwise you probably would never go to um, Mm -hmm. because as much as I I love the movie Borat, I would probably never travel to Kazakhstan on my own (laughs) accord. but I'm sure still going there. There was, you're in the middle of doing the Amazing Race, but you guys get sometimes an off day in a country. Is that correct?
4: Well, if it's an off day, like, we don't get to explore. Like, uh-huh. we're, in our, we're in our hotel room while I think production's getting ready for, like, the next part of the the race. Uh,
2: oh, okay.
4: Confined.
2: Oh, I was going to say, I was going to, I'm sure you have a favorite country that you visit while there, but it kind of led oh, yeah. to one thing we we were talking about that we saw was that you've always wanted and I'm probably going to butcher the name. It, <laughs> you should actually probably say I don't it. know how to say it, it either, and, um,
0: but that you, uh, when you were originally interviewed for Amazing Race, you had said that it was a dream of yours to go to Cambodia and see uh, yes, the, Angkor, Wat. Angkor Wat. Okay, yeah, so I was saying it right. Yay. Yes.
4: <laughs> yeah, God, and, that was a dream.
2: And then you got a chance to go to Cambodia, and now I didn't get to see the season. Did you actually get to visit there? As well, So
4: uh, We were kind of like on a different side of the city that we were in, and then the pit stop was like the east gate of Angkor Wat. Mm. But it was such a tease because we got to drive around Angkor Wat, Uh out, and then when we got to the east gate, it's like literally in the middle of nowhere. It's like the Angkor Wat's huge. Yeah. So we were kind of a little bit more remote compared to where all the tourists were. But yeah, it was still beautiful, nonetheless. I just wish we would have been able to explore and venture out a little bit it's such a tease the race but oh I bet yeah like I was
2: talking to Karina I was like if we ever did that even if we got eliminated like first country like in London I'd be like you know what just hold on to our ticket we're gonna yeah. travel and then we'll come back get this ticket to go home but yeah. don't worry about Literally. us. you guys go home yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah exactly well I was actually curious because when I was reading that part it, it It just seemed like such a such a random thing, right? Like most people are like, oh, I want to see like the Eiffel Tower, like whatever. What about Angkor Wat drew you in and made you want to go see it? Like what about it was such a dream for you?
4: Well, I mean, I grew up loving geography in school. And I think a lot of that is why I love The Amazing Race, because Mm -hmm. what I'm learning about in school, I'm seeing on television and then also, at that same time, they had been to Angkor Wat before on the race. So I think seeing these things, I'm like, I want to go there one day. Yeah. It has a taste as a viewer of what these places are like. And then I also learned about it in school. And it just, all these pictures I see of Angkor Wat, it just looks so majestic. And it just looks like not real. It's like one of those yeah. things that looks think and i and i loved watching indiana jones like i loved like (laughs) it just feels very like explorer to be there and i just wanted to see it for myself and like really marvel in its wonder but again it was such a tease driving by it was more like hey beautiful and then that was the appeal it's like learning about it in school like seeing it in pictures and wanting to see it for myself
2: uh, no! And I can totally relate to that because I, I saw a video of somebody in Guatemala and they climbed this little bit of a pyramid and it's like, oh, that's really cool. And it wasn't one of the ones that was in the open field. This was in a jungle and they got to the top of the pyramid and they were above the jungle canopy and you look out and you just see these pyramids popping up every so often. It was just the most gorgeous thing. I was like, I want to see that.
0: I want to see that. That's yeah.
2: awesome. You know, and so I totally get that. And I, I it sucks that you were teased with just the view of it partially (laughs) you know without being able to explore like i'd be so upset but hey now
4: we will and i are like let's go back and yeah enjoy it for
3: whatever (laughs) and
2: absolutely through it (laughs) no um tony i know you you're you're running a little bit short on time because your wife wants you to take the kids to the pumpkin patch so i want to give you the (laughs) opportunity to get some of your questions in before you got around yes
1: Slightly. So I just have to run upstairs because we're doing pumpkin carving. Uh, Oh, carving. Yeah. So we've got a bunch of friends that all have kids like right around the same age. Any I think there's probably about six or seven under four. Mm -hmm. So we're doing pumpkin carving with them and that will be absolute chaos. Trash
3: bags everywhere. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. 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 Trash
1: bags everywhere already. Um, (laughs) Who knows how much will actually get carved? But I did see in your um, like your pregame interview that you're a big board game fan. So Mm. I we are also big board game fans. So I was wondering, like, what what are your go to games for like a game night? So it
4: depends on obviously how
1: many people we have over.
4: But um, we were huge. Like back when we had four roommates we had Catan Night. Like Catan of was our go-to game and we would play it for hours and drink wine. We'd be up to <laughs> two in the morning. Like that was a really fun game to play with our roommates. And I had never heard about it until I started dating well. And he's like, it's the most amazing game. Uh. Um, and it is. I love it. <laughs> a lot of strategy. So, and, and that same kind of style, like Ticket to Ride is also, yeah. I would guess is fun. Um, recently, it's been Disney's Villainous just because of all the different box, like the, you know, yeah, know, so many different expansion packs, but it doesn't matter what pack you have. You can literally play as any character from any box. Um, So I really enjoyed Disney's Villainous. We just had a game night recently. Derek and Claire came over um, and some of my our, our other friends and we played um, Ultimate uh, One Night Werewolf. Um, nice. Which we played like Mafia and the Challenge Compound and Ozza was an amazing host. But <laughs> if you like those style of games, but no one really likes to narrate, then One Night Werewolf is the way to go because there's a lot of moving parts and it's a timed game and then you you can literally start the game over and over and play as many times as you want. Um, so I love One Night Werewolf. Um, we also play this game called Azul. I don't know if you've heard yeah. of it. Azul's fun. It's like you build out different tiles and you get certain points depending on how you build out your, mm. your tile. Um, those are some games that come to mind but we love. Oh, and then we also have the, the betrayal on the God, what's it? It's a mouthful.
1: It's a trail at the house on the hill.
4: Yes. yes. <laughs> every you play, It's a different game almost because depending on how the game progresses, you open up a booklet and you read what section of that thing is. And it's a completely different game every time you play. So, wow. yeah,
1: it's a lot of fun. We actually we also have the Scooby Doo version. And it's uh, the uh, different uh, villains from scooby doo A friend of mine saw it and was like, You have to have this. This has to be in your <laughs> game collection. Um, we're also big on carcassonne Because oh, yes. yeah, yeah, that
4: too. Uh-huh.
1: It's yeah. so good. And we have like so many of the expansions that it takes forever to play. But there the thing that expansions? dude, there's like 13 expansions. Yeah. So James I've just, is going shopping I've tonight. just revolutionized <laughs> game night. Right. But yeah. They they have like um they have like bazaars and stuff like that that'll be added into your castles. So, yeah, there's Good all turn. kinds of different okay. tiles and stuff like that. Um, I, wow. I want to say there's at least like 10 or 12 different expansions. OK. And there's like there's a dragon that you can have added into the game.
4: Um, okay, i'm gonna have to go get some of these
1: expansion packs i love that and they're cool because like each expansion has about three different game mechanics that are added in so you can either keep them separate or you can roll them into like your actual full game okay. um, but yeah it's a lot of fun wow. and i mean very timely right now but pandemic is also
4: yes oh my god yeah we played that during the pandemic so did
1: we right at the beginning we're, <laughs> we're like well we're gonna have, have to play <laughs> pandemic during the pandemic
4: <laughs> like it's a little too real but yeah yeah that's a fun game especially because will he um went to school for public health and he started working in global health and this was right before the pandemic hit and i was like what a time to be alive you just graduated with your master's and you're going into global health <laughs> A global pandemic hits, And now we're playing pandemic at our kitchen table. Like it's just
0: <laughs> <moment>. serendipitous. So, <laughs> well, there
2: so there's this game on my iPhone and Karina gave me so much shit for playing it because I was playing it during the pandemic and it's called <laughs> Plague Incorporated where you create a virus. And you have to try to basically like, wipe out fact,
0: the whole world. Yeah. And then so you can like, like, play it. From why the, does this game exist? <laughs> but you can play it
2: from the alternate perspective, which is you can create a cure for some type of virus or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So like, I, I always felt slightly wrong doing that, but it, it's a good game. <laughs>
4: I enjoyed it. Is a good, we all, I don't know if you played this during the pandemic too, but we played Among Us a lot. We would also mm. have like, yeah. like virtual game nights over Zoom and we would all play My Um, kids
0: love that one. We
4: also like, um, do you play the Jackbox games? Yes. So we love the Jackbox games. I'm ready for the next party pack to drop. because There's like a reality TV style game that I watched. I think Rob has a podcast played it and there was a bunch of survivors playing it. It looked like a lot of fun. So I'm excited for that. And then we also like, you know, Mario Kart, Mario Party are staples in our house. And then they've been really hooked on Dead by Daylight. Like I'm so into that game.
0: Nice. we gotta up our games. Yeah, I was
2: gonna (laughs) say the ones we end up doing like we have like our friends come over and we'll have a couple drinks and we'll start playing like you know cards against humanity and that was really fun. But you know you you play it twice and you're like, all right, I know all the cards. It's not the same. Yeah, I'm done now. (laughs) But then we got uh, know your meme. Is that what it's called? Or what's What What do do you you mean? Yeah, and then
0: we have like 14 expansion packs to it, so that made it
2: fun. And then (laughs) the other one that I we do a lot of cards. Games, was yeah. um that's what she said.
0: Oh yeah, that one. And was that
2: funny. one I died on. It's I mean obviously don't play these with your kids if you're listening. These are adult <laughs> games, you know what I mean. But I have to ask this because I've seen this mentioned on a couple different casts when they're in quarantine playing Mafia. Yeah, can you explain that to me? I've never heard of it except for just in mention. So and I'm interested already. So I was just kind of curious on how. It yeah, goes. it's
4: uh it's like typically a card game and um not like an actual card game, but you use a deck of cards. Any number card is like, you're just a villager. Like that's your identity. You don't really have much of a, like a role other than you're a villager. And then there's also like the Kings are, if you have like two Kings, usually they're like, um, like a detective. Then mm-hmm. you draw a King, you're a detective, you're the queen, you're the nurse. And then I think the Jack's are, you're the mafia. So when Aza did it, she was amazing. And she could tell everyone to go to sleep. So the, we would usually play in like groups of 12. 12 people like it was a pretty big group everyone would go to sleep you close your eyes as would say like mafia wake up so the mafia would wake up and they would be able to identify who is on their team mm-hmm. and then Aza would say who do you want to kill off like who do you want to take out of the game and then the mafia like silently would like start pointing around and like deciding who they want to kill off if you go then mafia would go to sleep, and then the detective wakes up, and then Aza would say, okay, well, detective, who do you think's the mafia? And let's say I'm the mafia, and you're the detective, you point at me, then Aza would shake her head yes, yeah, so you now have a bit of information that I am the mafia, but now you need to convince everybody that I am the mafia.
3: Mm, so then the yeah. detective
4: goes to sleep, and then the nurse would wake up, or the doctor, and then they would be like, who do you want to save? Now let's say we killed, like, you Karina and then mm-hmm. you get saved then you would wake up and Ozzie would give this like beautiful narrated story about like how you're out walking on the beach really late at night and someone from the bushes jumps out in a taxi or whatever and then a, a, there just happens to be a doctor nearby and now you're safe and now everyone would then deliberate who tried to kill you and then if you're the detective now you want to be like well James seems a little suspicious and then try to get people to vote me out. So it's um, a very, like, social deduction game, and that's awesome. a lot of reality TV-minded people. It got very heated. Oh, I, know. Oh, I <laughs> bet
2: that's <laughs> all, oh my gosh, that's so cool! Oh I,
3: my god, I, I would love, fun.
4: I would love to, to see this quick. clip though. Know, like um. After the fact, it's why Aza was very adamant about wanting to go against Shannon and I in the first elimination on the Challenge no. USA. Because she saw how good I was at Mafia. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I going to be good with people and reading people that he needs to go. And she told me that after the fact. I'm like, well, now I get why you play Mafia and why you narrate. Because you now watch everybody and how they think, and that gives you a leg up
1: on how to socialize.
0: That's smart. That is. That's smart. Oh, wow. That's cool.
1: I have to make a run for it, but I will leave you with this. The the standout games that were not mentioned, but like coming off of Mafia, there's one called Gloom, and the cards Mm -hmm. are see through, and you have like four different families. So you each have a family, and you have cards where you can basically. Cause bad things to happen to your family and you get uh, points for basically how miserable the family is. And you have to, your goal is to kill off your entire family with Uh. the most negative points and you tell a story. So you can either just read what's on the card or you can, you can fill in the narration of the whole thing and you can cause good things to happen to other people's families to raise their points and because the cards are see-through you add indicators on it so you might have like 10 points 20 points 30 points yeah. but when you add another card on top it might block out your 30 points so then you don't really want to do that oh, um, wow. but all your points that you're aiming for are negative and then the good stuff is positive and you're trying to negate that and you're trying to make your family miserable and off them as quickly as possible
0: wow um
1: but then they, so that's, that's a good one. And it's a good like group game as well, especially if you've got people who like to kind of tell stories. Yeah,
4: and, look beautiful. I just Googled it and the cards. Look yeah. The cards
1: are phenomenal. It's very like Edward Gorey style illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one, there's one called Dixit. It's D-I-X-I-T. And it's like the same concept of cards against humanity where everybody has like a card, the judge picks what, but they think their picture, they're all amazing illustrations. So they pick what their picture is. So they pick a theme and they put it down huh. and everybody else puts in theirs. And the person who's the judge ha- or like everybody votes. So you want some people to guess yours, but not everyone. So mm-hmm. if some people guess yours, you get all the points. But if everybody, um, like everybody guesses it, then you get absolutely nothing. And I think I'm mis-explaining that a little bit, no, but- I- I feel like I've played, I'm looking at the game right now on Google, I feel like I've played this game before, because
4: the illustrations are beautiful.
1: The illustrations are beautiful, and there's, again, like, 20 or 30 expansions, but it's such a cool game, and it's so different, because you use the same cards, but you can pick a different theme every time, so, like, you never really see the same cards in the same way, unlike Cards Against Mm. Humanity. I love it. But I will, um, like I said, I've got a jet, but I will send you a message either like on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever with some of the expansions for Carcazone that like we really dig. Please do. Oh God, I'm excited because we love that
3: game. (laughs) Excellent. Well, it's great
1: talking to you. Sorry, I have to cut it early. I enjoy pumpkin carving. It was great to chat. Absolutely. Yes, likewise. And hopefully we'll see you back here again. Yes, anytime. Have a good one, guys. Bye, Bye. Tony.
0: Yeah, that literally made me at first I was like, oh, yeah, board games. I love them. And then you guys are all talking about board games. I'm like, I don't know anything about board games. I'm now I now know that. And I have a lot of research to do because we we do game nights and stuff, too. Every week we do um, we do a weekly game night with our kids. And then every once in a while, we'll have like friends and we'll do like a friend game night or whatever. I'm like, we got to up our games Fire. now because these sound fun. <laughs> anyway, so I-, I wanted to jump back. I was going to ask this, but obviously I wanted to let Tony get his uh, questions in. But do you have any like plans of, you know, potentially returning to Cambodia and going in and seeing Angkor Wat the way that you originally wanted to?
4: No plans as of yet. We would like to make that happen. I I, I just don't know when right. I would love to go back to ish mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no plans yet.
0: Well, and I, I also saw in there that another place that you had uh, mentioned was Africa and potentially you know working with like a wildlife organization so what makes you want to go work with with wildlife organization
4: again growing up i was always fascinated when we would go to the zoo about animals in africa and like the big five and then seeing it incorporated on the amazing race there was so many seasons where they would go to africa and a lot of it would be like spotting the big five or like doing something very culturally based to where they were Mm -hmm. and it was so like in awe of it and i was like i would love to go to africa and when i was like the one one of the continents we didn't go to at all for our season of the race we we're like oh bummer because they typically go oh. on the race a lot yeah, um, yeah. so i've just always been drawn to go there and i would love to see them in their natural habitat and just yeah, yeah i'm just in awe of that
2: when she was naming off the countries that you guys hate and she goes, they go to Brazil and then they go to yeah. Paraguay. And I was like, oh, they go to Africa after that, because that's like just the natural transition. We
4: thought, we thought we opened up our clue and it was like, go to Paris. And like, we were mad about going well, to Yeah, Paris. no. We go to Africa after we're in Europe. And then yeah. after <laughs> Germany, it's like, go to Kazakhstan. And we're like, what?
3: That's different.
4: That <laughs> was so cool. I'll never go there on my own terms, but you know, like it was still so cool to go there. Yeah. But then we just kept going east, and I was like, "Yeah, I guess we're not going to Africa." Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, oh man. man.
0: Well, and I- interesting that you bring that up because another thing that that kind of stood out to me about your, you know, your pre Amazing Race interview was you. Know, they had asked you what you were most afraid of while traveling. And one of the things that you had said was that you were most afraid of visiting countries that may not be LGBTQ friendly. Right. Um, so I, I'm curious, did you have any like negative experiences in that aspect while you guys were traveling?
4: Thankfully, no. Oh, um, and good. also just, like the security team that Amazing Earth has every season is incredible. Um, just that whole production is such a well-oiled machine. And I, I never felt unsafe. I never felt like I was in a situation that I didn't have any control over. Um, I know like on the season before us, they went to Uganda and it was, you know, noted in the clue about their LGBTQ laws, just because Corey and Tyler, you know, as gay men on that season, they were notified, like, here's just how you're aware. Um, and I remember asking before we even left, because you could just sit down and ask questions before you leave. And that was my biggest thing. Like, will we know if we're in a country or if we're in a situation where like LGBTQ plus people here are not either welcome or just not safe? And they said, yeah, know. Yes so thankfully, we never came across that. But everyone we ever interacted with locally, like it was always such a positive experience. And I think that they were just so willing and eager to just help. Like, Aww. you know, Will and I, you know, we're not like super masculine by any means, but, you know, we're wa- running around in purple and like we're super flamboyant <laughs> in our clothing that we were always like, oh, you know, here we are s- both over six feet. We're huge or like, you people spot up. We were <laughs> worried that we would draw attention, but like right. you know, everyone we ever interacted with, they were just so eager and wanting to help. And it was just a very positive experience for us.
0: Oh, good, good. That's that's awesome, especially because you had, you know, had this lifelong dream of competing on this show. And so that's yeah. that's really good. I'm glad that nothing nothing went sour in, in that aspect. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that. Um, so for the first roadblock in the in the show, um, I remember it saying that, you know, if you did the first roadblock that your partner had to do the second one. And kind of looking at the, um, the roadblocks, you guys kind of were pretty even on how many you did. And, and the amazing race seasons, I haven't seen all of them, but the ones that I have seen, it almost seems like you guys were a lot more even than some of the other teams. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, how you guys chose who was going to do, like, which roadblock. So
4: yeah, like in earlier seasons, there definitely wasn't like a rule to cap out like how many you could do, but that's definitely been a rule that's evolved over the years because I think you could literally just have one teammate who's good at everything and then the other teammate doesn't have to do anything. And it's like having it be a team-based game if you're not both pulling your weight. So that was a rule that changed. And then um, I think the rule is you have, once someone gets to five roadblocks, like, let's say Will was at five and I was at three. Then I'm going to get stuck doing the next two. Like, until we're both even by five or whatever the rule was.
3: Right. And then um,
4: you couldn't uh, alternate. So, like, Will and I always both went into saying, let's alternate roadblocks. Because then we lose track of how many each person has done. So, like, when we got to India and it was a mega lag, we had to do two roadblocks that entire leg. And I did both because I knew I needed to catch up to Will in numbers. And with how many legs there were left, there's like three legs after that, where I was like, I don't want to get stuck doing something that I'm not confident in. So once we got even after India, Will was able to do like the tile making roadblock in Cambodia. And he crushed that. Yeah, and It wasn't a roadblock in uh, the Philippines, but at mm-hmm. least very even. So going into the final leg in New Orleans we each got to do one. So it's really good to balance out who does roadblocks when, because you don't want to get in a situation where like, well, shit, my partner said five, I've only done two. Now I'm screwed and I have to do the next three. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, no, yeah.
0: absolutely. I love that approach. Yeah. I think that that's really smart. Um, so speaking of the final leg, you guys get to the final leg. You take the lead like right out the gate and you guys do not lose that lead the entire time. Which I thought was awesome because a lot of the time in the final legs, you see, you know, like we talked about earlier, those three teams kind of shuffling around a little bit. And but you guys just you guys took it and kept it. And I love that. Finish will proposes beautiful, beautiful moment. And then uh, I was seeing, you know, you guys actually were coming up on your guys's one year uh, marriage anniversary here in the next couple like month and a half. So, yes. I'm curious, like, how has married life been? Is it different than before? Or what's it been like?
4: You know, it hasn't been much different. We just kind of fell back into our routine. I mean, I think the only difference is we have rings on our finger. Um, (laughs) No, it's been married life has been really great. Um, We finally live alone. We no longer have roommates now that COVID is, you know, to a better spot. Now we've moved out, got our own place. And We just adopted another dog recently. He's whining right here at my feet. Um, It's been great. And for our one year, we're actually going to Brazil and um, just going to enjoy a little trip together.
0: Oh, Um, I love that. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Well, you know, obviously it's a little early, but congratulations on your guys' one year.
2: (laughs) So I I didn't read something in it vaguely remember you guys mentioning this in USA, but that you and Leo had a bit of a rivalry in your guys' teams.
3: Yeah, I mean
4: like from oh, so that's a different Leo.
3: Yeah. yeah. Oh, have, oh, okay.
4: on my season, um, he ran the race with his girlfriend. Now they're Alana. married. Yeah. Alana. Um, but Leo from USA, I had known him previously. Mm. Gotcha. Year. Okay. So we had a relationship before even going into the, the Challenge USA.
2: Sometimes you can just ignore anything I say to and just tell me <laughs> oh, to shut I mean, up.
4: A lot of people, a lot of people asked me about that, and I was like, "No, nope, there's only been two Leos on the race, so yeah, like, not surprising that they get keep getting you know switched Makes up that. like stuff like that." Yeah, so no. he yeah. will for, no he will now
2: forever be known as Leo T. Now, just, right? We're, we're applying challenge <laughs> rules to him. <laughs>
0: So going to Challenge USA, so you get off Amazing Race. How long was it until you got the call for Challenge USA?
4: Yeah, so uh, we we filmed in 2018 for the race. It didn't air until 2020. And then after my finale of the race, Will and I actually got an email from someone who was affiliated with the challenge asking if it was something we would ever want to do or be curious in. Mm-hmm. And I, the email felt kind of sketched to me and like no one else from our season got the email. So I was like, I don't trust this. I was like, this mm-hmm. is not real. So I didn't do anything. I didn't follow up with it. Then about six months later, so June, maybe May of last year, I got the email again. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to humor it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to okay. call this person, see what it's about. And they explained to me that there was um, a new challenge coming, and uh, that they felt like I I would fit the bill for, and if it was something I'd be interested in doing. Will had not much interest in it because he was just starting a, a new job. And mm. uh, I was like, I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested. Is this legitimate? And uh, it turns <laughs> out they also contacted someone else for my season for this particular challenge. So I was like, okay, I believe the legitimacy of this. So it was about six months after our season where I got initially contacted but you know i think it was the series of events that have transpired with the challenge it i think it was for the global tournament initially
3: Mm. because
4: the way it was explained to me was like it's going to be the challenge but it's going to be people who've won their shows or who have like made an impact on their season and it was going to be a global all-stars and i was like oh i'm fuck yeah, sign me up i'm (laughs) still And then they said, oh, actually, like a month later after I actually did the interview, they're like, we're putting a pin in it. We love you. We would like to have you in the challenge world in some capacity, but wait till we get some more information. So then like three weeks after that, they called again. They said, "Okay, here's the deal. We want you for the CBS version. And I was like, even better. Like, I love CBS shows, (laughs) the way they explained it to me, Big Brother, Survivor, Amazing Mary's Love Island. I was like, hell yeah, I'm into it. Let's do it. So that's kind of where it led to and then i didn't get the official call or like the invitation to do it till january of this year Mm -hmm. um and then they were like yeah you'll leave you know in march so i had i had about two months to like actually get ready for it if you will
0: wow Um,
4: and there was supposed to be someone else for my season on it and i was so bummed that she couldn't do it she her she started a new job and her work schedule just wouldn't allow her the flexibility to leave yeah but that would have been so nice <laughs> well that
2: was one of our main themes when we were watching it especially when we first saw the cast release i was like they're screwing amazing race yeah with three I people
4: I, I was really fearful because you know i follow the challenge forums and i, I kept seeing names circulating and i was the only amazing racer that was like even speculated and i was like oh my god am i about to be the only amazing racer on this and i was I kept calling casting. I was like, I am so afraid. I was like, I know how these shows work. If I'm the only amazing racer, I'm literally a walking target. If all these other shows have numbers, like, yeah, I, I'm just setting myself up to fail. And they're like, no, trust us. Like, you'll be fine. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I
3: was like, I'm still going to do
4: it. Like, it's the challenge, it's that, but I was also very afraid that I was just going to walk in and walk out, you know?
3: Right. That,
4: yeah. Um, so I, when I realized Leo was going, I, I obviously, when he got to the airport, because we both live in LA, I was like, hell yes. Okay. So Leo's here. And then Kayla had reached out to me like three days before we left. She's like, I keep reading your name on this list. They just called me. Like, am I crazy to leave in three days? This? I was like, Kayla, please go. Like I <laughs> need more amazing racers. I love you. Like we would have so much fun together. Um, so I was like, okay, at least going into a new Leo and Kayla. So when we showed up, I was like, Oh, we really are the only three. Like, there's nobody else here in the show. But, you know, we got really close because of it. We had a great time together, the three of us. <laughs> yeah,
2: I absolutely, like, honestly, like... We Talked to Kayla like two last week or two weeks ago, yeah. And I was telling her, I was like, honestly, one of my favorite moments of the show was your guys' elimination versus Cashel and Tiffany. Like, if you guys did a spin class, I would sign up for it. Yeah, I don't do spin,
4: I'm waiting for that phone call to like challenge workout. Like, come on
0: yeah they just they did one awesome. like a whole thing on youtube yeah. they need to get you and kayla yes. on there for some spin classes All up kayla and i will cycle with rachel like it would be a great time I've, yes oh i would so be there for you kayla and rachel together oh my god that'd be amazing
2: so okay before we dive into challenge usa because i feel like i feel like it was a really great season with a really great concept and they did the cast worked a lot better together than i thought it was going to originally looking at it mm-hmm. i do think that certain people kind of dominated based on the edit but before we get into that because and then there's everything that happened after but where did your fandom in the challenge start like what brought you into it
4: um i was just looking it up on on google cuz i was curious to know how long ago it was <laughs> so my first like I would say exposure to the challenge world was back in 2003, Battle of the Seasons, when they were in Cabo. I remember the hurricane yes. happening. I thought it was so cool. I was like, the this Toga Party. I, yes. I was like, yes. This is so fun. It's so cool. And then I think I had already obviously watched, I think Chicago and New Orleans would sort have of aired before this. I mm-hmm. think yeah. Danny yeah. was on Battle of the Seasons so like i was hooked from that point forward so i watched that i watched Battle of the sexes like the gauntlet the inferno i loved i like the og challenge right like, yeah that's what i love and there was somewhere along the way though where i stopped tuning in and i can't remember probably the I, island I, well you know i yeah i think it might have been before that Yeah. Something changed with the format or like the style of the show. I was like, you know it's like a fun show when I can watch it, but I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it. Right. Yeah. I also felt like it was steering away from what I think made the challenge so fun and just kind of like a, I get they want to make it this like fifth like I'm the, the sport or whatever. Like I sure, but like what I loved about the challenge was that it was still felt very much like everyday people being thrown into these really extreme situations, and it just felt fun. Yeah, like oh, I'm gonna you know risk breaking breaking an ankle or an arm or something because these challenges are so extreme. Which I get. Like that's I loved doing the challenges, but like. I loved watching the earlier seasons of the yeah. challenge. It just felt like anyone could do it.
3: Anyone yeah.
4: Do it.
0: We, we've talked about this a little bit, how it's, it's like those, those earlier seasons and those earlier formats were, they were kind of like made for a viewer, right? They were made to be yes. watched and enjoyed. Whereas yes. nowadays, the challenges are made for the competitor because those are really cool things you get to do. But a lot of the time, those challenges and those dailies and those eliminations don't play off well to like a person as a viewer, for example, your elimination against Tiff and cachet, like anybody else in that elimination, it would have been the most boring elimination ever, but you and Kayla were having so much fun with it. It made it interesting and fun to watch as a, as a viewer. So like, I was really (laughs) grateful for that, but I, I definitely see your point with that. And, you know, I do agree. And, Fans have been calling for old, you know, old ways of the challenge for a long time now. So,
4: And that's why I think I love the challenge All-Stars, because I think it has like a healthy balance of both. Like you get a little bit of the newer challenge vibe, but you also still get the OG nostalgia of what the earlier seasons were like. Right. Why I like the earlier seasons, too, is because I was watching real world at the same time. So it was yeah. fun to see those real world dynamics and those road rule dynamics then carry over. And how would they end up working, if, especially if they didn't like each other? Like, how are you now going to have to work together on these shows to win? So that's why I like the earlier seasons. And maybe it was when the real world kind of fell off. And then it mm-hmm. was the, the challenge. Like, I love that they have veterans. Like, don't get me wrong. But when it's the same people 10 seasons in a row, like I'm not interested because yeah. I'm not invested anymore. Like I want to see new faces. I, I I've seen fans online for years say fresh meat, like bring fresh faces into the challenge universe who've never done a show before because I love fresh meat. Like that's oh, yeah. the show is so successful. So I would love to see that again.
2: See, Just I think,
4: faces on
2: the yeah. like, don't get me wrong. I think every part of reality TV and every show has a toxic part of their fandom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the challenge is on a different level. I mean, I think it's, it's up there with big brother um, yes. as far as some of the toxicity I've seen. And, and not to say that there isn't really good aspects of every fandom because there are, and we've talked about it. Oh yeah. But it's, it's the conundrum of the challenge fan, which is, We want the old school challenges and we want to see new faces and rookies, but we also are going to complain about those rookies the whole time and say, we want our OG vets back. And it's like, well, you can't have both. You have to, you have to have someone to continue the show on. And that's why I think what they did on CBS was such a great idea is because you're bringing in people that have reality TV experience, but no experience
0: familiar faces. People are familiar with your faces, but But you've never played the show before.
2: And so you guys played it your way of playing the challenge, not the way that CT and Johnny Bananas and Wes play it or Laurel and Kara, but the way you play it, the way Mm -hmm. James plays it, the way Tyson would play it, you know, and it it creates such an interesting dynamic. And that's one part of the show that I really loved because it Mm -hmm. did feel a bit like fresh meat, Mm -hmm. like a throwback to the older shows.
4: And you still have a familiarity with some of us, right? Like yeah. you watch these shows, there's a familiarity there, but then you're like, oh, and well, now they're being thrown into a completely new game. Yeah. So it still feels fresh. It still feels new, but you still get the familiarity of the different relationships that are carrying over and bleeding into the Challenge USA. Yeah. So you yeah. that's, that's why I loved being a part of it. Because it's like, I watched all these people, but like, we're all doing this for the first time together.
0: exactly and that was always my thing like anytime i would see because we obviously we have the podcast but we run like some some uh facebook fan groups and other stuff like that and i would see that constantly oh i i'm not getting into usa and i'm like you ever watched any of the, the cbs shows and they're like no and i'm like that's why you're not getting into it because you don't you're not feeling connected with these people. And so, you know, that's why I love it because I've watched all these people before. So it's, it's you know, it's easy to relate to that. But I, I do like that, or I did like that it was a new approach to the game. And it wasn't just, you know, all these vets coming in and shooting at the four rookies that are on the cast. And it was just, right. it was a new approach, a new way to play the game. And I loved it. I hope they do more, to be honest.
4: <laughs> I I do too, because I would love the opportunity to do it again. I just think that the algorithm needs to go away. I don't yes. want to see that format. I think that format would actually be great for the flagship show because it totally breaks up the whole veteran versus rookie type gameplay that I feel like is so calming. Yeah, It would break that up because now yes. you, don't, you can't really play by that gameplay anymore. You have to play with who your partner is every round and whatever background that they have. I just didn't like the algorithm for Challenge USA.
2: I didn't either. I think they would have been much more suited if they would have went like more a cutthroat type season on u s a but not. you couldn't have like you had three teams and it would go like survivor, big brother, amazing race, like all together instead of um I'm sorry, all combined in different three, so in one group you'd have yourself a couple survivors a couple amazing race couple love islanders same with the second team so it would form that new alliance Mm -hmm. and my only other downside to the challenge usa was and i'm sure you'll agree was the the living quarter situation you guys all being in those like jail cell bunk beds like that's not the challenge (laughs) you know the challenges you guys are in you know certain rooms those alliances can form and nurture because you guys Mm -hmm. share a room together when you guys are all in the open together, you don't get that dynamic anymore. And I think that kind of missed.
4: Um, And I think, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, the, like you said, the challenge fandom can be very toxic and they're also very opinionated. And I love it. Like I love to engage on Twitter. Don't get me wrong, but that was the biggest criticism people have. And I think even some of the OG challenge, people are like, all oh, these CBS people are complaining about their living quarters. I'm like, but you're, it's not that serious, first off, but also no. the breath like it made it hard to play a game because everyone's always exposed in the open. Yeah. Like, people were afraid sometimes to really have those game conversations. But also, like, we were told before we left that it was going to be very similar to Challenge All Stars. And I think a mm. lot of us, when we heard that, were like, oh my gosh, like the house is going to be great. We're going to be put up in these really beautiful, because every Challenge All Star seasons, they've lived in a villa or some sort of house. Yeah. So we went in with this preconceived idea. We totally know what we signed up for, and that's not the issue. It's just we all thought, based on what we were told, that the housing situation would have been different. But we also, I get it. It's a reality show. Like I'll, I, like, I'll sleep on a beach. I want to do survival. <laughs> so sleeping in those bunk beds, which we felt very Squid Games, wasn't an issue for me. But I do think it made it hard to play the game when everything is out in the open. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and and I'm not trying to say that like you guys are wrong for complaining because they weren't luxurious beds. I think it was literally a disservice to the game, the game. and the viewer mm-hmm. that you guys didn't get those separate rooms where those alliances start. Like mm-hmm. if you're watching Rider Dies right now, the first two episodes it's all about this group in this one room. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's and
4: you see it on All Stars two of the treehouse like yes. Yeah. Yes, you you build and that's why That's one thing I was really adamant about was the room situation. But then when I saw the house and it was a big open room, I was very careful on where I slept. I knew I wanted to sleep next to Kayla and Leo because we obviously had to work together. There's only three of us. But when Tyson put his bag on my bunk bed too, I was like, perfect. Like
3: this is why
4: he's going to be in the know. He's going to be someone who's going to be playing the game like me. So that opened the door for us to have those conversations, but it was never at the bunk beds. It was always privately like in another corner because you did not want to be exposed to like the people you were talking to. So, yeah,
2: yeah, Yeah. honestly, I feel like and I could obviously be wrong because I've only seen the edit and what they show (laughs) us, um, but it really seemed like you Kayla and maybe Kylan were the only ones that really knew what to expect with the challenge. Yeah. It seemed like everybody else came in a little bit unprepared for, for what this show Mm -hmm. was going to be, especially the social dynamic. And I think kind of a prime example of that is, is Tiffany and Xavier. They came in and kind of rested on their laurels a bit as far as like how this game is played and they got put out pretty quick. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's for a big brother person that's supposed to have this great strategy, especially as a champion, you would think they would have lasted longer than a couple episodes.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I, think, I think a lot of us were challenge fans. I think Kayla Highland and I were probably a little bit more vocal, but I also think that we knew going into it how to maneuver. Because I think we all watch these shows. I think if you don't watch all the shows on CBS and you're there, you don't really know how people play the game. So if yeah. it's can kind of rest on what you're comfortable with or familiar with because you don't know anybody else right Uh, with xavier i feel like he kind of got screwed
3: yeah the
4: algorithm unfortunately but he is a huge challenge fan and i would love for him to have uh, you know the opportunity to come back and play tiffany yeah i think she's been pretty open about how she just didn't train as much as she should have for the show
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and that's that's totally understandable too. Absolutely, I mean, and here's the thing: at the at the end of the day, with the challenge,
2: and we see it all the time. Anything can happen in any elimination, any daily. It's mm-hmm. like because really, at the end of the day, who's been training to drive a car blindfolded to try to knock balloons off the back of another car?
3: Yeah, you can't. <laughs>
5: For that, you know
0: what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, how do you prepare to plug a pipe with your foot and your butt so water doesn't go like that? Was the wildest thing I take a
4: bath. What are
2: you talking about? Oh my god. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed Dominic and I thought he was a good player. I was, I was very disappointed though. that you lost that elimination because I, I felt more connected to you uh, in a fandom sense mm-hmm. of you well, seeing the game.
4: Let's talk about that elimination for a second. Yes. So, and this is not just take away from Dominic and Cashey's win. Like they yeah. won Aaron square. Yeah. Um, for me and having watched the rest of the season, every elimination with the exception of mine and Tasha's, every elimination, you got to work with your partner. Yeah. Yep. Tasha and I were separated. I'm in the tank doing my thing. She's building the, to- t- the tower doing her thing. There was no way we could help each other. Right. If the challenge had been designed differently, I think Tasha and I could have won purely based on how well we worked together in our chemistry. Yes. Don and Tasha were not in alignment. They were not seeing eye to eye and they won because cachet of, of cachet.
0: Yeah. 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 The, the water was almost gone. Almost
4: gone. And like, there's, you know, people reached out to me and they're like the water was at the line. Like if you, and I watched it back and like, it is what it is. Like it, the water definitely looked before below the line, but like in the moment, like that was the call that was made and that they won fair and square. Like she built the tower. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it was a challenge where they had to work together, I do think they would have butt heads. And I, I think the outcome could have been a little different.
3: I,
2: I yeah. agree. Yeah, I agree. It, it's not like they had a, a strong track <laughs> record that episode of communicating well no. with each other. And no.
4: then it happened again in that challenge. Like, yep, they yep. were communicating. They were bickering. They won because cash of cachet. Dom yep. didn't, Dom didn't plug the hole at all. No cachet to build the tower to win. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Literally a half second. And it's we're having a different
0: conversation right now. Absolutely. Um, Really quick. Sorry. Speaking of communication, I actually had a, a quick question. And I've been curious about this since it happened. You and Kayla were obviously really close on this season. And then there was a moment where the edit at least tried to portray that you guys were kind of, you know, going at each other and not maybe not vibing very well. Yeah. I was just kind of curious, you know, because it, ju- it, it felt it didn't feel genuine. It felt like an edit and it didn't really feel like there was a genuine issue like between you guys in that moment. And so I just kind of wanted to, to ask about that and maybe give you an opportunity to explain, you know, kind of what happened with that situation with Kayla.
4: Um, yeah, honestly, watching back that episode was very hard for me because that's not the reality that I remembered. And I yeah. remember doing the podcast with Devin and um, Davon. And because you watch it and then you immediately do the podcast. And I was very heated and emotional. and they, they let me calm down for a minute. I was like, you guys, that reality is not the reality that I remember. Yeah. And, you know, Tasha and I obviously lost the daily. We knew we were going into elimination. But the issue is when you go into deliberation, and you talk to the winning team. They don't show it in the edit, but you literally talk about every pair. You have like for TV purposes, you talk about every pair and like why you would want to go against them in elimination. Right. So first off, talking about Leo and Justine, they're, they're an option, unfortunately. They are an option. A, because yeah. Leo is an amazing racer. Justine is a Love Islander. They're an option. We have to humor that and entertain that idea for first right. off. But I never, like, those words saying, I want to go against Leo, never came out of my mouth once. That was not good for my game. I never wanted to go against Leo. And when we had the conversation in that episode... He, from what I remember, I think what he thought I was saying to him is that I wanted to go against him. Mm -hmm. What I was telling him, based on how this game is going, I was trying to explain to him, you are an option. That's out of my control. Right. You are an option because you're an amazing racer and just seen as a Love Islander. Right. People at Power don't care about us because we're not from their shows. So... You're an option. And I think he heard that he was an option for me.
3: Right. the case.
4: So then you see him go talk to Kayla. Kayla is confused, first Mm -hmm. off. And so when Leo's telling her all this, she's confused. So what you're seeing in that conversation is Kayla being like, what is James doing? But she then realizes from talking to Leo more, no, 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 Leo. He doesn't want to go against you. Like, what are you talking about? Then the three of us finally sat down and talked. And I was like, I never wanted to go against you, Leo. I'm just trying to explain you are an option. And I needed you as your friend to be honest about that. Or what I was doing with Dominic is you saw in the first two episodes, Giovanni and Sally not knowing that they were going in, threw them for a loop. Yeah. yeah. They didn't have time to mentally prepare. Tiffany and Cashel didn't have much time to mentally prepare. Cashel was hungover. He wasn't a part of important conversations. They were thrown in completely caught off guard. Mm. With me, I needed Dominic to feel like he wasn't going in.
2: Right. So I remember you saying, yeah.
4: I want to go against Justine and Leo, or like, yeah, they're a better option because they have money. I'm trying to make Dom feel secure. I'm trying to make Dominic feel comfortable mm-hmm. because he's so held on on wanting to go in. I was like, You're not gonna go in, you're not gonna go in. No matter how hard we tried. I There was no convincing Dom otherwise. He wanted to go into elimination. But what the edit did not show is that David and Shannon were actually an option. And that's what Tasha and I were pushing. We wanted to go against David and Shannon. I love my girl Shannon. But at the end of the day, I needed to protect Leo because that's the last option I wanted to go in against. And I didn't want to go against Dom because I was working with Survivor. Yeah. So Raven and Shannon going in, unfortunately, would have been better for us. And they also didn't really work well together. So that was what we wanted to have happen. But I think the edit for drama- dramatic purposes made us seem <laughs> like Amazing Race had a tiff. And we we didn't. We, that was never ring whatsoever.
0: No, oh, good. Yeah. yeah and it- that's that's what it felt like. It felt like. The editors were trying to force this like issue, you know, or portray this issue that wasn't truly there. And it just it felt so very disingenuous what they were showing. And so I was always curious how much of that was actually true.
2: (laughs) There was there was a lot of parts similar to that as far as like it just seemed extremely overedited in USA Mm is everything from TJ's voiceover about the global championship every week. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then.
0: uh, he never said that.
2: <laughs> and then you know they they basically showed us in the first three weeks like oh it's the show alliance it's the show alliance it's you know based on shows but then uh, what we find out talking to you guys during exit interviews and then beyond doing our unplugs is there was a it was a money alliance that was really the big part of the house which was Tyson Angela and then Kylie those and, three yeah. and then Justine people, Justine yeah. and people kept joining it and then the kind of side alliance of. Danny, Dominic, and Desi mm-hmm. working together, you know, and yep. and it 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 just felt like they missed a lot of opportunities where there was probably, in my opinion, good TV or good explanation on how this season was going. Mm-hmm. That was not shown. Instead, we were shown you know the same thing every week, which was either Sarah being really upset with Angela and Alyssa, or you know, show alliance, you know, mm-hmm. with Survivor Strong. Right,
3: right. I think to.
4: And maybe that's why I haven't really watched the flagship show as loyal as I used to. But um, I feel like there's more of an emphasis to show the challenge, like the challenge itself. And Mm -hmm. I think with Challenge USA, like it would be like 20 minutes worth of the challenge. Mm -hmm. So there's ways I think they could edit the challenges to be more short and still have the same impact, still make it fun and exciting. But like you don't need to watch 20 minutes of the challenge. Yeah. I feel like, that cuts into what they could be showing for social development because especially with challenge usa all these shows have different strengths from their experiences that Mm -hmm. led to how the politics of this game worked yes and i think the inner dynamics of that would have been far more interesting than seeing people in the challenge itself
2: agree
0: i agree
4: i think the biggest thing like especially with for Kayla Leo and I is we were working with you kept hearing Survivor Strong but Amazing Race was also Survivor Strong like we right. were working with Survivor you yeah. never knew that it always made it look like the race was kind of doing their own thing or how with my episode when I got eliminated it made it seem like I was looking out for myself and I'm going to go work with Survivor Right. Now, my relationships with Survivor is how Kayla and Leo got scooped up into that so there's just a lot of, of those layers that I think were missed opportunities for the viewers to really get what the dynamics were like in the compound. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was one of the, one of the things that like myself personally as a fan of like big brother survivor, you know, amazing race and the challenge. I was really curious, you know, because like survivor politics compared to like big brother politics, are like night and day. And so it's like how is this going to work when they've all got these different experiences of how they play a social game and how they approach the politics of the house? And how is that going to work when they're all put into one house together? And that was like going to be the most exciting part. And then we barely saw any of the actual strategizing of the politics and the social game. We didn't get like hardly any um like what I call like the fun scenes, right? Like bars or dances or parties in the house or whatever, but we get all these stories from you guys about all these, uh, you know, dance parties in the house and these dress ups and just like all this fun stuff. And they didn't show us any of it. But like you said, they'll show us 30 minutes of people doing the same challenge. And it's like, no, show us some house stuff, too.
2: Well, I think and I, I noticed this because I was going through before we were talking to you, I was looking at my notes for Challenge USA and it, like the the house sections are like three or four bullet points. And then it's like a paragraph for the challenge and mm-hmm. then three or four bullet points for deliberation, then a paragraph for the elimination. Yeah. Now, when I look at our notes for challenge, rider dies, it's a paragraph for the house section, a little bit shorter a, of a paragraph for the, yeah. <laughs> for the daily. And then the house deliberation party scenes, a paragraph, and then the elimination is really short. So I think maybe they, maybe it's because it was on CBS. They felt they need to change the format. To show more of the uh, competitive fifth sport part of it instead of what the challenge really is, setting
4: it up for the global tournament, right? Right. Yeah, that total sense. I think that's a really good take on that. I I also think the format itself of Challenge USA, you lost a lot of that gameplay or Mm -hmm. a lot of social strategies because the only people that really mattered are the team that won
3: yeah. two
4: people because they're going to decide who goes in. I would have preferred a house vote. I would have right. preferred seeing how the house maneuvered yes. the That they weren't thrown in. Like, as much as like the losing team has a say, they're not the ones in control. So seeing the deliberation between the losing team and the team in power, that even in itself... Not that interesting because the losing team doesn't have much of a say. So I don't know. I just, the format, especially with these shows, it would have been so fun to do more of a House deliberation, a House vote to really see where the loyalties lied. It would have exposed everything from the get go. It would have shown that these show loyalties were a thing for at least the first few days. And mm-hmm. then maybe people would start piecing together that there's a money alliance because of the house deliberations and you would start to see yes. who, affecting who I don't know I just that's one thing I love about the challenge and I think what I loved about the latest challenge all stars format was like the top three guys and the top three girls they get to come together and you know form whatever that I forgot the name of it but the six of them got to sit down and decide who went into elimination. Like that's yeah. more interesting because you have more minds making the decision together and who's protecting who. I
2: don't know. Well, yeah. Even, I agree. Even in this most current season of the flagship, they have, you know, the winning team nominates four, and then they go through a deliberation and then they pick one person that's going to go in regardless. Right. And then the other three have to go to a draw, you know, and whoever picks the dagger that says safe, they get to choose one of the, th- the other two to save. Sending the other one in elimination. That's so,
0: more interesting and dynamic. <laughs> awesome. Right. And yeah. it
2: exposes alliances right there on the spot. Well, you, know, you, and, can't,
0: you can't just call it. You can't just be like, oh, okay, so, you know, yeah. it, uh, you know, whatever. Tori and Devin, won. they didn't. But, you know, Tori and Devin won. Obviously, they're going to go after these two rookies. And you can, like, sometimes call it straight from the But in this situation, you can't. And I like that. Yeah. I did really quick. I, I know, obviously, you weren't there. Um, But I was just curious on your feedback of the Challenge USA final, because for myself, I loved the season. I think they did really good on the season. Obviously, there were things that they could have tweaked and made a little better, but I thought it was a really good season. And then it seemed like we got to the final and everything just kind of fell apart. And so I just kind of wanted to see if you had any feedback on what you saw or what you've heard about the Challenge USA final.
4: Yeah. I think the final, um, was a lot more brutal than I think it showed. Um, I mean, I spoke to mostly everyone when they came back like a day after filming the final back in the spring and everyone told me right off the bat about how like awful it was just like how brutal the elements, the conditions were, it was insane. So I kind mm-hmm. of got to hear their side of their experience. But then when I watched it, I was like, from a viewer perspective, that didn't come off hardly at all. Like you're not seeing how these elements and the conditions of just being in the, what is it? Patagonia in yeah. the mountains, how it really wore down on everyone. So that was the first takeaway that I noticed. Um, I also felt terrible for desi and i did not like uh-huh. how that was handled and again yeah. i'm saying that as a viewer i thought that was unfair but also just being a friend of hers and i knowing how badly she wanted it and i really think she potentially could have won it to be honest um, yeah. i felt terrible for her i yeah that that was not handled well especially from the jump with ben not being medically cleared they were already done one and then there was that rule of what you know the girls would have to do one you know, leg of the final by themselves. I think the, the easy fix would just let Desi pair up with one of the girls. Yeah. But it, it wouldn't have really changed much.
0: Yeah. Or or turn it to an individual final at that point. Uh-huh. Just let everybody run individual. Easy. You know? Easy. It,
2: and you just have to switch easy. partners still, but it's still an individual final yes. where you points are tasked yeah. and, and that's it, you know? Easy peasy. And that's my thing is, is look, I know there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that we don't see as a viewer. Yeah. But one of the over resounding things I've taken from listening to Tyson's take on it, listening to Danny's take on it, listening to Dom's take on it, listening to Kayla's take on it and and talking to you, talking to all these different people is it seems like an amazing race survivor and big brother. Everything else is kind of figured out to the T, like every variation of what could happen, what might happen has been thought through and they have an answer for it. We're in the challenge. It seems very much more by the seam of the pants. We've got a loose outline of what you guys are going to be doing and we'll go we'll with figure the, it out we, as we go. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the, the, the gist I've gotten from mm-hmm. it. Um, obviously that this probably includes hurt feelings from certain people that are giving certain explanations, but that's the overall gist I'm getting.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to, like you said, coming from all of our shows, and then being thrown into this, I'm always the type of person that I'd like to give benefit of the doubt. I like to yeah. think, you know, this is the first time they've done Challenge USA. This is the first time they've worked with us. It's a completely right. new group of people that they're just trying to maneuver all of our personalities and how we work or whatever. So I'm sure it was a lot of figuring out and a lot of things that had to kind of be moving parts as the season progressed, especially because this was kind of like the precursor for the global tournament. So I think there's probably a lot going on behind the scenes that we as challengers didn't see or didn't really, you know, understand in terms of the complexity of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope and I, I am hopeful that if it does continue, that there's a lot of room for growth. And I would love to know that maybe some of the feedback from all of us that we have shared, whether it's with interviews, with different podcasts or with. After you're eliminated, you talk to production after you're eliminated and you talk about your experience with them. That hopefully they talk, they take what we have to say and use it as constructive criticism. Because I don't think any of us hate the show itself. Like we all loved competing. We all loved being a part of it. Um, but I just I do think there's some tweaks that can be made to really make it better in a way. Yeah. Um, so I think that was my, and again, I wasn't there for that long but just from my two weeks being there I was like you know there are some things I didn't love about it I'd be lying yeah. if I was like I loved it. every challenge was incredible no there's a lot of things I really did not like about it but there's also things I really loved about it
2: yeah one of the resounding things that I keep hearing is, is I've heard people say they wish TJ had more of a production role kind of similar to like what Jeff has on Survivor where yeah. he has more input on what happens because
0: Make calls on the spot if yeah. need be, you know. Yeah.
2: But um, one question I did have in, you know, spoiler for anyone who's getting ready for global championship. They've um, <laughs> started filming. Obviously, you're looks like you're joining us from your home. And even though you're a previous winner on CBS, I take it. You're not on the cast for the global championship. Right. Is it because you're disillusioned with the challenge or would you be opening to doing another one in the future? So
4: I actually did get an availability call for the global tournament. I at first was like, I would be interested, but I wasn't really sold on the idea yet. And then because I didn't hear much more after that initial call, I planned life. I wasn't going to put life on hold. So like we did our one year wedding anniversary trip. I have a charity event that I'm going to, I'm going to Italy next week. So it's just, Things started to plan, would get planned. And so I reached out and I was like, look, like as much as I am interested, it's just not gonna work for the global tournament. And I think right. I don't think I would have been ultimately cast seeing the speculated and rumored cast list. It looks like there's four people from each spin-off mm-hmm. to represent their country. And then it looks like a lot of OG people. So I don't yeah. think I would have been ultimately classed, but I, I did love that I was contacted for availability. Um, and I even know, like, after I got off USA, like, this, I have someone who's kind of like the middleman between me and casting and a manager, if you will, and he had asked if I'd be interested in doing ride or dies.
3: Ooh. I, I
4: was like, it's too soon. Like, I'm not ready to leave in a month and a half to go do another show. Like, no, I, I just need some time to process my first experience. So right. um I said no. And I also joked, I said the only person I would do it with is... Kayla and that girl's going all the way on USA. So I don't see the. <laughs> thing. Um, <Yeah. laughs> so I like knowing that I had enough of an impact or that like my experience on the show resonated with a lot of the challenge fans because I would love the opportunity to come back. I would like a little bit of redemption because I don't think that. I was able to really show fully what I am capable of as a competitor. Like, I want to show. Like, I know that I have a lot of strengths that I bring to the table as a competitor. It's just, unfortunately, with the format of Challenge USA, I don't feel like I got to really show that.
2: I think I I agree 100% because I think there were certain scenes and certain challenges where we saw the flashes of you being a really good competitor. And then we got the flashes of how good you are at strategy and reading the game itself. Mm -hmm. And I think you would have done very well. My, and I would love to see you come back. My biggest fear is, especially with this, seeing the speculated class, uh, cast for Global is that it's going to be the OGs teaming out to get the CBS and Global out right away. And I look, I don't want to see that. I would rather see it be like, four ogs or four from the flagship four from usa and four from each of the intera- international yeah. so it's more of a level playing ground like And yeah. maybe
4: it'll be like ogs versus and then if it's more team based like right like survivor yeah Order, like tribes, sure that makes sense but if it's a free-for-all yeah with how most of the flagship show goes a veterans versus rookies it's going to probably be the same for the global tournament where the ogs are going to take pride in being like The flagship people they're the ones that paved the way for the challenge to even get to these spinoffs they're gonna want to defend that legacy right like they're gonna want to prove that they are the og so i i yeah that i can see that absolutely happening
2: but i would love to see another cbs version of the challenge i think that has a very specific role and over time you can probably bring in someone like like bring in a Josh Martinez or bring in some of these other people that have done a little bit of the flagship, but have done CBS shows as well. Yeah. But the great thing about season one, and we've all said this was that there was nobody from the original flagship. So there was no one influencing the way you guys are playing the game. And that really gave us a prime example of what the show could be as well. Mm -hmm. You know, a different view on
4: it. I think selfishly too, for me, like, I think the challenge USA, like, let's say the global tournament isn't like a thing that happens every year, but the challenge has its own spinoff on CBS. I think it's like a, a kind of a fun opportunity for the show to reinvent, reinvent itself, to cater to the CBS viewership. Right. Like yes. Yes. go back to the OG seasons of the challenge and start fresh on CBS, like bring back these like everyday type people who like aren't training to be an athlete who like are just being thrown into these really ridiculous situations to see how they handle it. That's why people like with Survivor, it's it's just a bunch of everyday people being thrown in and they're doing all these extraordinary things. Same thing with Amazing Race. Make Mm -hmm. that kind of its own unique like thing for the CBS spinoff. Like keep it the CBS roots. It can still be the challenge with fun formats every season, but bring back like, that nostalgia of what the challenger already was. Like, just start fresh. Keep the yeah. MTV one, brand that as, like, the fifth sport. America's fifth right. sport. CBS, make it more of this, like, family-friendly fun, like,
0: free Yeah, football. I don't
4: know. That, that's just my perspective on it. I love it, it. It
2: makes complete sense, because if you really think about it, it it is exactly what the challenge started to be or start out was it was yeah. a feeder show yeah. or not a feeder, but it was taking in people from road rules and real world who already had some experience with some of their casts, yeah. no experience with other cast mm-hmm. and put them together and see how they work. And that's what we got. We got Amazing Race survivors, Big Brother and Love Island. Let's see how they work together. And it was like the very first challenge. Yeah, there was, you know, except it was a partner instead of a team game. But right,
0: right.
3: Um, like,
4: I, I, I love to see Battle of this, the Shows. I would yes. love like go back to like an original theme and do that with CBS because all of our we saw their show lines were definitely a part of Challenge USA one. I think we all kind of expected that because there's a little bit of comfort there. But now going into the second one, if there is another version of this, do battle of the shows like let's see what show is actually the better show, because I think everyone going into the challenge takes pride in the show that they come from. But also every interview you listen to for like pre interviews for it. The main question people are asked was like, well, which show do you think really prepares you for the challenge? Everyone's going to say their show.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's I mean, see it,
4: what show really prepares you for the challenge the best. Because I will argue till I'm blue in the face that it's the Amazing Race. I don't care what anyone else says; it's the Amazing Race. I think
2: <laughs> I think it's I think a little bit of each show it prepares you a little bit for the for challenge. for different
0: portions. Yeah, yes. yeah, because. Yeah.
2: Like the endurance, like the really redundant endurance ones were, make me think of Big Brother and a little yeah. bit of Survivor. But like going up and down that soapy hill to try to fill the glass, that's like a challenge thing, old school <laughs> challenge. Yeah, but that's what I want to
4: see again with like yes. Challenge USA. Let's bring back those. But there's still a physical element to it, and like a fun stunt type role to a challenge, but still make them fun, like, I don't know, stuff like that.
3: Yeah,
2: but yeah. I do agree that The Amazing Race... It, They do have certain challenges that are just spot on for what the challenge does. Well, that's
3: why,
4: I mean, I always said, and I think Leo would agree with me. If Leo and I made it to the final, we absolutely would have performed really well because the final is designed almost like a leg of the amazing race. It's going to be physical. There's a lot of endurance. You're going to definitely have mental and strategic puzzle based challenges. It's literally the amazing race. And that's why Kayla was a star. Like she did so good in the final. Unfortunately, she literally was frozen. She couldn't, like, but she, she easily could have won that. And I just think amazing racers, like the final is a leg of the race. And I think amazing racers excel in that kind of thing.
2: In my personal opinion, if they let them change clothes, Kayla probably wins this season.
0: Kayla was done really dirty by them not showing exactly what happened with her and how sick she truly was up on that mountain. Yeah. And the minute we heard about it, it, it 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 changed a lot of how I viewed that last portion of the final because it's, it's so easy to just put the blame on people like you quit. You suck. TJ hates quitters. The challenge hates quitters. We hate you. You know, it's easy to, to go that route. And, but I think that those of us in the fandom who took the time to ask questions, find out what really happened behind the scenes, you know, those are the things that, that change how you can view something. And like I said, I feel like Kayla was done dirty with her edit on how she you know, quit that final portion there. When in reality, she was taken away in an ambulance, and yeah. she was very sick.
4: And they showed the ambulance in the preview for the final. So I was like, oh, "Yeah, my God, they're going to show this because I
0: knew what happened to
4: Kayla the moment she got back." Right. Yeah. And then they didn't show it. I was like, "What?" Like,
0: it's so messed up. Yeah,
4: it's crazy to me that that was not part of it. But I, 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 I think like it's one thing to quit a challenge, right? Like, I think if you're on top of a building and you just don't want to walk down it and you're going to cry about it, that's quitting.
3: Or if you right, go yeah. into an
4: arena and you see the challenge and you just don't have the confidence to win, it and you're like, I'm going to walk. Like I'm just going to leave. And you don't even attempt. That's quitting. When you run a final, when you have all these elements, if your body says enough, you should listen to your body, your body and your physicality and your mental health and your physical, your health in general is more important than winning a final. And so as a viewer, I watched that and when four people dropped at the final challenge before the finish line, you no? have to ask yourself why? Yeah. Why did they all drop when they were that close to winning? If your body gives up on you, you there's not much more you can no matter how mentally strong you are. If your body gives up on you, you can't like you just can't anymore. So yeah. I don't consider them quitting. Enzo gave up before it really started. That's a yes. yeah. He quit. He, he quit. quit. He quit yeah.
0: on Desi. He quit on himself. And you know, and that was unfortunate. But I, I do agree with you. I don't yeah. look at the the Tyson Dom Justine Kayla situation the same way that I look at the Enzo situation.
2: No, and, and I remember saying this directly to you when we were watching. Just the way they had filmed it. And you see Tyson and Dom basically breaking fourth wall, talking mm-hmm. to production. And I looked at her and I go, they're "Production, all about to quit. yeah, they're going to quit." And production screwed this final. Yep. Because to me, as a viewer and someone who's watched multiple finals and seen where they've had a f- excuse my language, I like to cuss a lot, but they've had a fucking hurricane come into Iceland and had to completely adjust everything. They've had a blizzard come into Switzerland and had to completely adjust the final. Mm-hmm. They didn't do what was need to be done. They knew Kayla was getting hypothermia. They could have easily timed her out on that puzzle. Yeah. Easier, easily, just like they timed out Justine on the previous checkpoint. Yeah. They could have timed out, you know, the one with Angela, I get. She... I get the one Angela. I get it. And I get, you know. It
0: makes me sad because I love Angela and I want to defend her, but I do get it. Like, I understand it. Yeah. If but. she had maybe watched the challenge before she went on there, like, she may have known that you don't get to not do the overnight part. I get like,
4: it. It's like on The Amazing Race, the biggest rule is to read your clue so you understand yes. the rules. It sounded like the rules were there. Everyone yes. knew that you there was something you needed from that challenge to then move on to day two. I loved her strategy and her thought behind it. Like, the yeah, me was like, I get it, girl. Like, great. But she just didn't read the fine print.
2: Yeah. yeah. She should have just stayed out there and moved one grain of sand all night. You know, when one everybody the, was done and taken that. But I mean, we talked to a few people that were there and they said. Look, she should have known as a cast member in a reality TV show when production starts filming you like that and asking you over and over. Are you sure? Over, Are you sure? Is this really what you want to do? She,
0: Something's wrong.
2: Yeah, some they're 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 trying to that talk you out of something.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah. But um, James, I've got to check on our son because I've had him <laughs> on the tablet and eat food. But so, but I have a couple questions that I, I really want to ask before yeah. I leave it to you to do the last final ones, if that's okay.
4: Yeah. I, I was like, I do have to leave in like five, 10 minutes. So, it's-
2: okay. First one. And we ask every unplugged episode and knowing that you're <laughs> a fan of the challenges, this should be a lot more interesting of an answer than we typically get. Um, if you were going to build a Mount Rushmore for your top challenge competitors, and I won't make you do it by women and by men, but just top four, who like would most be?
0: influential to you.
2: That doesn't have to be the four greatest, just the four most important to James's fandom.
4: Um, Johnny. This number one for me. I think she's a very underrated challenger. Um, And I mean, the fact that she won two All-Stars back-to-back says a lot about her as a competitor. And I really wanted to model her gameplay. Obviously, the format for USA had a very different plan for me, but she's (laughs) very good at staying out of eliminations and then performing when she needs to perform. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to try not to ever face an elimination and then win when I needed to win. So Johnny is the first person that comes to mind. (laughs) I
3: love it. He's my favorite. Um,
4: My God. You know, I just love him for his enthusiasm and the energy he brings to the show. And I appreciate his passion for the challenge. I would have to say Derek.
5: Yes. Um, I loved
4: interviewing with him and Scott. And like, I just, I've always just appreciated his enthusiasm and zest for the show. Like, you know, he loves it. Um, so I would say Derek. Um god, two more.
2: (laughs) While you're thinking about that, I was gonna say Derek had the quote of all six hours of that promo they called a documentary, when he said, I used to bite people's faces off for a Best Buy gift card. (laughs) (laughs) It was was
0: glorious. (laughs) Bring back challenge prizes. Yeah. uh,
4: Damn, that's so tough. I like have so many names that come to mind and I'm like,
2: mm. it, it is the toughest question that we so ask many
4: people. And I'm trying not to have like recency bias either. <laughs> Part of me just wants to take people from all stars. Cause I like love all stars. Cause it brings me back to like the early seasons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, so that's it's like
4: and Derek for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I would have Mark on there. I think like that might oh, be yeah. an obvious answer and probably a cliche answer because he is the godfather but if it wasn't for him and uh, again his passion for the show too like who knows if all stars even would have happened on paramount plus or yeah if any of these spinoff versions would have happened in the first place like he's yeah he's done a really good job at staying relevant with the show but also giving it new life and i as a fan and a longtime fan of the show i think I would put him on a pedestal for that reason alone.
2: I agree, and his evolution from when he was first on the challenge to what he does now—it's yeah. come—it's—it's it's been awe-inspiring
0: to and watch. Nobody names Mark ever, so I love really. That he does. Uh, nobody I ever names a lot Mark
4: more credit then because, like, he would be someone I think would be like the staple on any rushmore. Yeah, sure.
2: You know who we get a lot? Coral.
4: I can see that. I don't know if I'd
0: put her on mine. Yeah. yeah. I would
4: love to see her back.
0: Yes. yes. Yeah. So would I. I mean. would be great. She's of, happy right now, though. She's doing great. Yeah.
4: I would love to see her back. She's great. Her and
2: Paula. Yeah.
4: I think for just like fun, I would probably say Hisella.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's the best. <laughs> I love her. Like,
4: I love when she came back for All Stars. It's like part of the reason why I was so excited to watch because she is such a character and I really just appreciate the entertainment she brings to the challenge. Yeah. Um, Because it doesn't feel forced. It feels very organic. That's who she is. Um, And I appreciate that about her. Because I think some people go into the challenge and really try to play up this like dramatic narrative for relevancy what you see with her is what you get, and I think I respect that about her a lot. So I would probably put her as my fourth. Oh, it. I love that. I feel like
5: that's
2: great. It, it, to me, her and Tina are, are oh, very similar Tina. in that way.
4: Yes. Oh my god, obsessed with Tina. You know, that's a good one too. There, that's an interchangeable for me, Hisela and Tina, because they're very yeah. similar in that regard.
2: Yeah, Her Twitter though, right, lately Tina's? Tina's Twitter, oh my god it is so the good. Be- I have literally that's the only reason I've been logging into Twitter for like the last <laughs> month is just to see what she's tweeting about. She's so funny. Trying to get her blue check mark and everything. It's I great. Now I'm
4: <laughs> like, do I put Tina in there instead of
2: Gisela? Well, you, we, you know what? We'll just, we'll do a Tina slash Gisela. Yeah. That's yeah. your Mount
0: Rushmore. Okay, I love I I, it. I like we'll give it. you five faces. Yeah. No.
2: Perfect. Um, <laughs> my next question and this is more of just uh for us to do promotion because um anytime we interview someone we like to do a little it's just a a really quick promo video where we have your photo come up and we try to time it with music what would your hype song be
0: like if you're getting ready to like go into elimination like you're about to go into a
2: pole wrestle or something where (laughs) you have to get your like high you have to get hyped up and get into that mind frame is there a song that you would want to listen to to get you there and and just before you go too deep, I want to let you know, very much like the Mount Rushmore, there is no wrong answers here. Kellyanne <laughs> Judd gave me Ironic by Alanis Morissette.
0: Brandon uh, Nelson did "Be" uh, Beyonce. What is that song? Uh, I love
2: you. Yeah, I will always love yeah. you, I think. <laughs> so there is no wrong answer in
0: this. Oh, he's searching his music right now. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. In my
4: head, I'm like, mm, I feel like I when I was like in my early 20s like before i would go out and like we would you know pre-game before going out it would always be like razor glass by pink
0: oh my
3: like gosh hype
4: song to go out so yes. that's what comes to mind
0: i love that song so much
4: <laughs> gosh i feel like my answers are so like um i would also say firework by Katy perry Ooh. Ooh.
2: yeah so one thing if it's got a good part where the beat drop it works great both songs work. both of those will work really really well yeah um it's the ones where like someone gives me like a song from 1993 and i'm like oh how am i gonna make this work (laughs) but it'll work these will both work really really well and i'll send you well, I'll have Karina send you a version of each, and and we'll use different artwork, so you oh. can pick whichever one you like the most. Yeah, because we
0: went looking. We went looking on your Instagram. We're like, you know, normally it's really hard to find photos of people that we can, you know, pull the photo out of the background and use on our artwork for, you know. And there's like, I have like nine photos of you that I'm like, we could use any of them and they'd look, all- so we'll all send right. you some yeah. copies. Great,
1: was perfect. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Quick, I have one closing question that we like to ask everybody. I'm going to reword it a little bit just to kind of tie back to the beginning of the uh, interview here. You had mentioned, you know, when you uh, wanted to go on reality TV that, you know, it was because you had, you know, seen representation and you wanted to get out and represent and have your story told. My question is when reality TV is all done and social media is done and you log off everything and you put all of that whole world behind you, what message do you want to leave behind for people? What do you want people to remember about James?
4: I would say, God, um, this is the quote that comes to mind. Let me look at.
2: Perfect. James, you were like a kindred soul because if you're going to look up a quote to describe a feeling, that's me every day. So I love it.
4: (laughs) Um, Okay, it's from Legally Blonde. It will be that being true to yourself never goes out of style because I think that by staying true to who I am, that's what I think resonates with viewers. Like, I'm not going to be someone I'm not. Like, what you see with me is what you get. So I would say being true to yourself never goes out of style. And then also, so cliche, but like dreams really do come true. It's just a matter of believing in yourself and picturing that for yourself. And I would hope that people, when reality TV and everything's all said and done, that people realize that like, I did it and I'm I'm still just James. Like, I'm still just a fan of these shows that like, if you put your mind to something, you can make anything a reality. And so I hope that those are two things that people can walk away with with my mm-hmm. experience with reality television. I love
2: it. it. I love that. You saying that actually made me think of one of my favorite quotes. It's by uh, Winston Churchill and it goes, Every single person is specifically designed for a task. God forbid they're not prepared when they're tapped on the shoulder for what would be their greatest moment. Yeah. And I think it, it kind of correlates with you know you getting that opportunity but always being open to trying that opportunity yeah. and never giving up yeah. you know what i mean so you were always ready for that tap on the shoulder and when it came you were good to go hey when and adventure I love it.
4: comes knocking you don't say no you only have yes. one life to live and even if it's something you know the i said this quote to will when he like went to go study abroad once i was like you know sometimes the life you want is outside of your is the life you want is on the other side of fear or like when you step outside of your comfort zone those are the things you want in life the most so don't ever be afraid to step outside of your comfort zone or push beyond the fear because you never know what's waiting for you on the other side
2: that's absolutely that's true i mean look yeah. I, I know we're the challenge fandom podcast but we're dropping words of wisdom so
0: <laughs> james thank you so much yes. for your time i know oh, we've Lord. kept you like way longer than no, we planned obviously so great. i feel
3: like i'm chatting <laughs>
4: with old friends. Oh, okay. and i'm big fans of the two of you all three of you it was a, a okay. great time chatting with you all and i really appreciate the time and it was long overdue i'm glad we were just able to finally do it
0: me oh, too absolutely, absolutely. james
2: if you know a season comes on the global championship rider dies i know you've got a lot coming up but mm-hmm. you ever want to hop on and just talk some shit and recap an episode with us we would love to
0: have I'll you wait. anytime. we will
4: definitely be down for global championship that's for sure
0: i think that'll be a fun one to do so I we'll definitely hook up for that one sounds good thanks y'all right, so <laughs> james thanks Thank you. you have a great day you too bye okay. guys bye
2: that was a lot of fun. Okay, why is he immensely.
0: why is he so cool? He is literally exactly like he is on TV though. Like cool. that that last part he was talking about, I was he was like, you know, I'm just I'm just still James. I'm like, you are. You literally remind me exactly of the person I just watched on Amazing Race and Challenge USA. Yeah, like it's just, just you're just raw and authentic and genuine. I love
2: it. That's the word right there. It's just completely genuine to who he is himself and to other people as well. I mean, the conversation we had was just 100 percent genuine from start to go yeah and it wasn't one of those like where it felt forced. we mm-hmm. easily discussed the subjects that we had written down but we easily branched into other subjects of conversation and you know he's just a really great guy to to sit down and talk with and look it, it just rings true of and i give it to casting on this that they have a hell of a knack for picking out some very charismatic people to be on their shows uh, yeah, because James is over the top in his charisma, and it was a, a, an absolute pleasure to talk with him.
0: It really, really was. Oh my gosh, I I loved it, and and like we said, like a hundred times through this interview, this was a long time coming. We've actually been like kind of chatting with James uh, pretty much since the beginning of the Challenge USA season, and then obviously once he was uh, eliminated on the show, we did an exit interview with him, and from there, just that short like seven to 10 minute window that we got with him. We were like, we really want to sit down and have some real time with this guy. And so this has been a long time coming. That's, you know, obviously, like I said, why we had so much to talk about. And he's done so many cool things in his life. And he truly is an adventurer. Like he's one of those, like you said, you know, if if an opportunity comes his way, he's he's going to take it and he's going to embrace it for what it is. And he's going to soak up as much of those experiences and opportunities as he can. And I think that's such an incredible thing because so many people would shy away from situations like that that make them uncomfortable or, you know, it, it, like the amazing racing and potentially having to go into areas where he might not be or feel safe. And, you know, to still take that leap of faith to go on that show and to do the, go travel to all these different countries and do all these different things like that, that's just Ah, uh, it's incredible. I love James. His energy is contagious. And, you know, I, I honestly I hope we see him on TV more. Put him on all the shows. Put him on Survivor. Put him on Big Brother. Right. Put him on I don't know, whatever, whatever shows they have out there. Put James on our TV. We need more of him. And I can't wait to have him back on this podcast because I think. As, as awesome and fun as it was to do an Unplugged with him, I think doing a roundtable with him is going to be a lot of fun as well.
2: Oh, my gosh. Look, here's my theme. Like, I almost like, don't get me wrong. I absolutely wanted to sit down and have this conversation with oh, yeah. James. Yeah. And I enjoyed it immensely. But I have been biting at the opportunity <laughs> to have him on for a roundtable based solely on his performance from the first two episodes of Challenge USA. And him reading that house like a fucking book. Yes. I want his opinions on current episodes that we're watching. And I am more than happy to wait till global championships to get that. Yes. But with that being said, this was a phenomenal interview. I truly enjoyed it. It, yeah. was, it was a joy. I learned a little bit about Amazing Race I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Thank you, James. And you know what? I'm going to go catch up and try to watch Derek and Claire Do their theme this season. Yeah, we do
0: need to catch up on that one.
2: And, uh, you know, maybe try to go back and watch James this season just to get a better appreciation of the guy he is. And, and learn a little bit more about his hubby who seems like a really awesome guy too.
0: Yeah. Will, you know what? Shout out to Will. I wanna have Will on the podcast sometime too, because he seems like he would be a lot of fun too. <laughs> Maybe we'll
2: try to get Will on for a recap when James does another season at some point.
0: Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. Have uh, Will come on to recap.
2: Don't steal our ideas, guys. Yeah. Please don't. Leave
0: our ideas alone. Anyways.
2: <laughs> um guys. W- Thank you so much for tuning in. We had an absolute blast. We hope you enjoyed this interview as much as we did uh, having it. Um, With that being said, for myself, Ricky Hayes, my beautiful wife, Karina Hayes, the one and only Tony Stats and Info Lance, um, we want to thank James so much for joining us. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, uh, be good to each other. If you get a chance, rate us five stars. If not, we're going to think you're a hater. You don't want to be a hater. Just rate us five stars. It's easy. You just click five. You just
0: click the fifth star. It
2: doesn't change anything in your life, but it changes stuff in our life. Be that person. (laughs) We want to thank you guys. Be a giver. Yeah. We want to thank you guys once again. We wouldn't be, well, we would be here without you, but we're glad you're here to join this. Join in with us. (laughs) We're glad
0: you're here to make us better. (laughs) Yeah. We're
2: we're glad you're on this journey with us. But like I said, for all of us at the Challenge Fandom Podcast, thank you guys. We love y'all. Have a great day. Adios. Bye.